Thank you. Maybe it's time that we bought a mic. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's time that we bought a mic. It takes a lot to buy a mic. Well, it, it takes, takes a lot, lot to mic. To mic. Maybe it's time to let the old mics die. Mm. One more. <laughs> Maybe it's time to let the old mics die. It's time to let the old Max die. Nobody knows. Can buy a mic. Yeah, it takes a lot to mic. Maybe it's time to let the old Max die. Will you sign my titties? Oh! Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome right. to We Bought a Mic. Man. A back, mic is born. A star is pod. I, I like it. <laughs> I like a good throwback to back when we just improv all our theme songs, you know? Yeah. I like there, the confusion. There might be more where that came from. <laughs> I am Ernest Calderon. I am Hunter Mobley. And I'm Drew Dietzen, back from the grave, bitches. How come, how come we don't all talk like this now for the rest of the podcast? You yeah. stole my voice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're, you're back. Um, you're back from um, What did you guys talk Arizona? about last week? Mandy. Mandy? Yeah, yeah. So I didn't, I didn't watch that because uh, Hunter, I consider you a good friend, and you told me that I probably wouldn't like it. Oh, I know that you would hate it. <laughs> I know. I thought that you didn't watch it because you have like a deathly fear of Nicolas Cage. Like the if you see him anywhere, like you scurry into the corner. So I figured that you just didn't want to have that happen on the podcast. It's a great yeah. Cage film, though. Honestly, I I might watch it though because I'm trying. I've I've. Uh, the reason that I didn't like movies like that in the past is because I didn't know as much about visual literacy as much as I did about like good writing. Yeah. Like, like the storytelling o- through shots. Yeah, the, yeah. Yeah. All I had ever read books about is screenwriting. Uh, but now I've, I've read a lot more about like visuals. So maybe I'll like it. Maybe, maybe, I'll, maybe, maybe I'll, you'll like that. If you go in with your old school thought of wanting, um, no. actual good storytelling, then you are going to have a bad no. time. Maybe it's time to let the old ways die. Yeah, yeah. Mm. it is. Ah. Uh, so today we're talking the, 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 Bradley Cooper's <laughs> directorial debut. Uh, I don't know what I was going to say there, oh. yeah, man. but, um, yeah, he's, it's, I'm excited to talk about this movie cause there's, there's a lot to get Lots into. Lots to unpack. Um, but you Very know, excited. we're also talking maniac a little bit and, uh, well, you're talking maniac at us. We didn't yeah. watch it. Okay. <laughs> okay. So I'll, I'll keep that brief. Um, are there any news to get into? Uh, Taylor Swift is woke now. Okay. So what's going on with this? Tell us. I think that's what you learned. I don't really. <laughs> Did she have to, uh, shun she, her she's Republican just, fans? But yeah, basically she's always towed the line of like country and pop, uh, and so she's always been completely apolitical. And then, you know, finally, you know, we live in a society, as they say. <laughs> and uh, so she made this long Insta post of, of like, oh, I'm voting for this person in Tennessee because of uh, rights. And everyone was like, yes, yes, finally, yes. queen. I mean, she's like the, the antithesis to Kanye. So she kind of had to come out on the other side That's of making everything. I just thought that you were going to say she's like on Suicide Watch now because she didn't get a Star is Born and instead Lady Gaga got it. Uh, <laughs> when she's more thank, of a country star. Thank Christ she didn't get a Star <laughs> yeah. is Born. You know, Beyonce was in talks for it. Yeah. Back well, in the day. Also, the thing with what would Swift 
because like Gaga's whole thing is it, it the part makes sense because she's like, oh, people say my nose is too big. What does Taylor say? Oh, people say my ass is too flat. People say I look too much <laughs> like a horse. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um. Yeah. So that's that. The only other big thing you missed last week was Colin, uh, swinging his big. <laughs> winning dick oh, at us yeah, for he, the summer he told movie me, wager. Yeah, he actually told me that, that we have to watch, uh, what's it called? Wait, you guys are friends? <laughs> yeah, he, oh. You know this person? Oh. We were we were, <laughs> were playing Fortnite one night and he told me. Not a joke. Wait, Colin's a Fortnite bro? Uh, he's not. We oh, just, okay. we. that's the only game I own because oh, right, I'm right, poor. Right. And so... <laughs> Because anyone can own it. Yeah, it's free. <laughs> so we get on there and we just die repeatedly yeah, and, and just yeah, and just talk about like that's funny. dicks. He uh he wants us to watch Unbreakable. Unbreakable. Bruce Willis. Yes, that's what it's called. Samuel. I yeah, I'm excited and I I, I appreciate what he's going for. It's mercy. Yeah, it's yeah. it kind of is. It's kind of like a, actually I would just want to hear what you have to say about this. I I, yeah, I think that's I cool. appreciate that. It doesn't have to be like winning the summer movie wager doesn't have to be like oh let me punish these motherfuckers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm, uh, that said, I'm going to punish you guys <laughs> every chance I get. Oh, I mean, I'm actually I'm in talks with Colin now, and we're going to change it to watching a visual discography of all of Coheed and Cambria's <laughs> oh, albums. Oh no, so. just like the the Microsoft visual thing <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that pops up for every song. Oh jeez. Um, but yeah, uh, I don't know if you guys, I'm sure you guys have you know been on the Newswire, but there are something like 36 new Hallmark Christmas movies <laughs> slated to come out this holiday season. I might kill myself. Uh, so is this look into our Oscar bracket? <laughs> yeah, we yeah. kind of, I mean, if they make a sequel to Merry Christmas, it's going to fucking bring the house kill down. Me, kill me. Okay, so I think we can get into some new music that's come out. Um, we're talking about two new albums, one that's been out for a little while and one that just came out. Uh, first, let's get into Brockhampton, Iridescence. Yeah. yeah, so, uh, yeah, you guys have been saving this for me. Yeah. Because we, I, you know, I obviously wanted to talk about it. We all love Brockhampton. They all, Brockhampton obviously went through some shit. Amir Van was outed as an abuser. Uh, they handled it a little bit sloppily, but for a bunch of teens, I think they, they didn't do it in a way that was completely unforgivable. They kicked him out of the group, um, and now they're here. And they released this album, which is their definitely their most personal. There's a lot of personality in all of their music, but this is the most uh, heartfelt of their albums. Definitely, it's yeah. definitely uh, yeah. I would agree with that. It's also I think the most well polished of any of their other projects. Like it, this album has a definite sound that is not on any of this. Like all the saturations can kind of blend together. You can mix them around. That's why it's just saturation one, two, and three. I think. But Iridescence, it definitely, it sounds different. I mean, some of the songs on here are, like, super goddamn punchy. Like, I was not expecting, like, almost, like, grimy beats at certain There's points. one song, I think, um, I forget the name of it. It sounds like a Death Grip song. Um, are you talking about Division? Uh, I think it's, yeah, Division? Yeah. Or no, 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 not Division. Uh, District? District. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Berlin also, like, especially at the end of the song, the vocals and everything cut out, and you just get this, like, it sounds like you're listening just to, like, heavy, heavy distortion that's being yeah. put on top of just this deep bass. Yeah, this, this I mean, this is a, the product of a really conflicted group. Uh, so there's a lot of anger. Uh, I definitely agree with the Death Grips parallel. There are a couple songs that I was getting yeah, really like if, if you take, heavy vibes. If you take on that song, um, uh, District, uh, if you take out, the, there's like a violin sample or something yeah, yeah. that they use. If you take that out, it could pass as a as a Death Grips yeah. instrumental. Um, 
I I actually I have a surprising take. I I can't get as into this album as I want to. Like I think it's a little bloated. It, it is. It's it's, it's yeah. a little yeah. bloated. Uh sometimes it feels overproduced where there's just so much going on in the track. Do you like the the choir, like the children's choir that they do? Yeah, I I've yeah. always liked when they do that stuff. Uh that said though, I think the song where they use it and it ends with that big chorus with the children's choir. Yeah. I'm okay with that part. That song, the instrumental of it is a Creed song. <laughs> it straight up is, and I'm not. I'm not going to forgive them for that because they're Brockhampton. Like, no, it's cool because they're doing hip hop. I over think it. that's San Marcos. It, it still mm-hmm. sounds like a Creed song, and I hate listening to it. <laughs> like, yeah. I really just, I find it completely unpleasant. That it, one's kind of grown on me a little bit. But really? the first time I heard it, I was like, this does not sound it's like just, Brockhampton. Well, and even if they wanted to go a more rock. Uh, element like they've had guitars before and I like it but the effects and the drums and everything used is from about 2002 uh, and I it confused me so much and it is unpleasant in my ears and that's kind of like the emotional centerpiece of the album is this it's like this ballad and it, I was just like man what the fuck is going on but that's that, I mean that's just me I, I really there are a couple songs on this that I'm really not a fan of and that's yeah. not something I can say for any of the saturations can you, can you point any any out as I, like a I don't have not t- favorite I don't have titles down yet um I've listened through it like a bunch of times but it's in my car and I don't know the titles there's one song that I really love it's called honey but I I really only love the first half of it because it's kind of this Frankenstein of yep. two very different songs, <laughs> and I feel like they should have maybe separated them and realized them as two individual ideas. But they kind of mesh these two songs together, and I love the beginning of it. It's this really like propulsive, mm. uh, uh, just fast track that just kind of throbs in your ears. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then it changes to something very different that I just kind of want to. Sp- touch the skip button at that point <laughs> it's it's definitely a very like it's definitely their most frenetic uh kind of experimental album yeah sure. it is which i kind of appreciate yeah i like the fact that they're going for something a little bit more outside the box on on some of these tracks they it doesn't all feel as like with some of the saturation albums uh particularly two I could listen to that album on a loop over and over every single track yeah uh, without skipping any i think on this I would kind of skip over uh, quite a few songs, but I really love New Orleans, the opener, and it goes oh, right yeah. into Thug Life. That's ma- those two songs transition. are incredible. That yeah. had me so hyped. That's for the like album. almost like the most classic. Uh, that's kind of their sound that they have on the first two saturations. Yeah, I feel like is in that too. Is in those first two, and I really like both those songs. But then it feels like it's like a transition from like this is the old way of Brockhampton to this new thing that they're trying to do. Um, I really love the uh, penultimate track on here, Tanya. Yeah. Tanya's a mm. great song. That's one of my favorite songs of the whole yeah, album. Yeah, that was, that was one of the singles, and it's extremely honest about what they're dealing with, yeah. with Amir leaving, because uh, that's a huge deal. He had, like I, I said previously, him and Kevin Abstract easily had by far the most airtime in all of Brockhampton's mm-hmm. songs. He has a verse in like almost every single song. So they... Uh, the the other guys stepped up though. I do want to give a lot of credit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joba and Merlin. 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 I don't know all their names, but the the white dude. Uh, I wasn't the biggest fan of him. Uh, at least his rap style. I know he's a good producer, and sometimes he really kills tracks in saturations. But I was like, he's kind of corny. In this album, he stepped his game way up. He has a lot more verses, and they're all pretty solid. Like I was very impressed. Um, I really like Kevin's verse and wait. 
where he talks about like how he was hooking up with girls when he was young and he couldn't like oh, be around. Yeah, yeah, that's a great that's a yeah, great song. It's like talking about like can't get it up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like he's really opening up about his struggles coming out of the closet and like finding his sexuality. And I think that that's something that could go very wrong in this type of music and like when you're trying to make something that's like really punchy and hard hitting and then you get really vulnerable and tender like yeah. that well that's it's one of the most interesting things about them like it's not just a gimmick that he's using hip-hop has been notoriously homophobic for oh, yeah. the entirety mm-hmm. of its existence uh and you know society at large still kind of <laughs> is a little bit uh and it's it's just to hear that in a hip-hop song is still you hear it and you're like oh sh- wow that is like brand new to my ears like it, there are other kinds of music like you know you can have macklemore being like yo when i was in third grade i thought i was gay but i I'm, was but i'm totally straight <laughs> yeah <laughs> that no this is like the best version of that this is way fucking better than that um i think i'd probably like listen to half of this album on a regular basis and then the other songs i could kind of do without like yeah. this is an hour long album and i don't think you know, more you could than make a supercut this album that's like seven, eight songs. Exactly, yeah. like okay, New Orleans Thug, probably kind of just the first half. I think I don't know. I I really like the first like seven or so songs. Yeah. there's a few. I mean, there's some songs I really don't like on here. There's some songs that are just kind of it's kind of take it or leave it with me, like where the cash at and stuff like that. I'm I, like, I dig that one. It's like I, I mean, it's not like a bad song. Like I. Would still like passively listen to it, but it's yeah. not something I would just be like, "Oh my god, the song stuck in my head. I got to exactly." This song right it kind of yeah. sounds like a watered down version of what they were doing with something like Gold, right? You know? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. They. It's. I admire what they've done. Like I admire that they're progressing. It almost strikes me as like it's as if uh, Amir was like the big boy, and every other member was the Andre Three Thousand. So, like, when the big boy left, like, they just were like, let's just go fucking crazy. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He was, Amir was a pretty traditional hip-hop voice. Like, the stuff he rapped about, the cadence that he rapped with was all very standard. Uh, and it kind of anchored some of their songs, I'm not going to lie, in the saturations, where you'd have all this out there stuff, but then you would have, like... Some sort of backbone. Yeah, exactly. Um, but the highs of this album are incredible. Like they, their creativity is just off the charts in all these songs. Like they're really swinging for the fences. And I appreciate that more than I would appreciate. Like, I don't know, like logic just released a new tape and it's just the same shit. It's the same shit again. And he's, he's, you know, he's a guy who like, he's, it seems like he has the tools and he never really does anything creative. I, I love the fact that a song, like something about him fits perfectly into an album like this where it can it could start out like really intense with new orleans and then like three songs later you have this really toned down almost ballad type song yeah that, yeah that really opens up about their inner thoughts and desires like i i don't know if they were really able to do that with their earlier work when they were just trying to kind of get attention and and be this young um, um, I don't know, frantic kind of crazy group of kids, <laughs> and now they're kind of growing up a little bit. Yeah, they had to grow up real quick. Yeah, they well, this to... is this is their first major label album. Yeah, so yeah. and they have, I mean, it's well publicized, but they have something like a five or ten million deal with uh, RCA. RCA. This is the first album. Yeah, so they're they're gonna put out more albums, uh, like either late this year or early next year. But 
I, I appreciate what they did. I just kind of wish this album had more flow to it because my favorite thing about the saturations is you, it, it's rare that like with three albums, I could run through those one through three and it's like 40 songs and I would, yeah. I would just listen to all of exactly. it. Exactly. I have a playlist that's all three albums yeah, together. That's so rare. And they all came out in a year. Um, yeah. So they set this bar that's just like insane, you know. I don't think they're supposed to come out with another one this year, are they? This is probably the only thing. I don't know. It's already like mid-October now, yes, so I'm yeah. not really expecting another. Maybe they'll have another one early next year or something. Well, they're going on tour, I think, or they've been on tour. I know they're, they're going to be on the road. Yeah, they're at ACO right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I like I appreciate what they've done, but I've been honestly listening a lot more to uh no names new album because because it has more of the flow that i look for where song to song it's not going from like like insane this way to insane the other way it sounds like an album i've been listening to lady gaga (laughs) um well i'll talk about the album that really has pulled me away from brockhampton that just released on friday and i know we've all been listening to it all of our fans have been listening to it they've been clamoring hunter what are your thoughts on the Unheavenly Creatures, the new album by Whoa, Kelly Hayden Say the full title. Yeah, I was about to say this. Vaxus One. <laughs> act One. Vaxus Act One. Vaxus Dash Act One colon. The Unheavenly Creatures. I was uh, I was about to make a joke about like, oh, shouldn't it be way longer? And it is way longer. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just the album like on Spotify it just says The Unheavenly Creatures. So. Spot- Spotify was like, just shut up. <laughs> shut Calm up. down, Claudio. You um, know, I tried to listen to this album. I made it three songs in god the first three are great oh, they are no, so good i i honestly enjoyed it i was like oh my god there's like a whole storyline to this but then i i just can't do claudio's singing i can't <laughs> see I can't that's that's just it. i love it so if, much. if they put out if, put, if they put this out as an instrumental i'd be so about it because the the licks like the, the oh i mean the fucking the, guitar work is incredible yeah i okay so as you guys know i'm a coheed head from way back um a heatist you could call me <laughs> a hedonist um, so this is the best coheed album that they've released probably in like over 10 years wow really? um yeah no this album is they really so just going back through their discography last year they put out their first album that wasn't like a big major story the color before the sun which is pretty much just a pop punk album it's not bad, but it's also just like... Were they trying to go commercial, maybe? Um, well, some... it was more so about, like, Claudio had just had the birth of his son. So, oh. like, he was in a very, like, happy place. And it sounds like a bad thing to say, but I was like, maybe I need something bla- bad to happen in Claudio's life for him <laughs> to, like, go back to a little bit of this more darkness that they had. And The Color Before the Sun had some really good songs. You've got Spirit Kid was, like, playing on radios and stuff like that. Like, that was pretty big song um what radios? before that like like just modern rock radios oh, that's um, fair okay but uh then before that they had this two-part album the Afterman, which i wasn't really a big fan of uh and then before that was year of the black rainbow which is a pretty good album but um it definitely had some problems with it that was back in 2010 so really we're going back to 2007 for their last album that was that really pulled me in right away. Um, That's the one with Welcome Home on it? No, that was um, the album before that was the one with Welcome Home on it. Oh, okay. Yeah. But um, there's the singles that came off of this album really pulled me in. Like, I was just like, wow, I'm I'm getting sold on this album already. I'm trying not to overhype it. And 
After listening through a few times, um, I would say that the singles make up the bulk of the best material that's on this album. It's definitely the most accessible stuff. Like, I could show you guys, like, a couple of songs from the singles, and you'd be like, wow, okay, like, this is, it's kind of poppy. It's very, it, Coheed, the thing about them is, no matter how dark and everything they can get, and how convoluted their storytelling can be, they have some really, uh, like, poppy and catchy tunes that it's just the the tune itself will get stuck in your head oh yeah my favorite so. is uh bye bye beautiful and also that's kind every of every time that you insult coheed <laughs> i'm talking for another 15 minutes about them so the thing is that's also not a joke and i also don't actually know the name of the song so. favorite house atlantic why well, why, why is it called that <laughs> why is it fucking called um that? just call it the chorus there is a <laughs> This album is really good. I'm just going to say now it's going to be like I'm happy pretty high up there in my top 10. I'm happy for you. I uh there's a, only a couple songs in here that I'm really not a fan of. There's a song Nighttime Walkers which is just really not my cup of tea. Um mm. I kind of see what they were going for. It's more of like a synth driven uh pop uh oh, like really? pop metal song. Oh. And I don't really dig kind of like at like all. glam metal type stuff. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah kind of. There's a little bit of that in this album. That's interesting. Um, but really, I, it, this is kind of a cool album for them because it's kind of a blend of the old and the new. Like I feel like they couldn't have made this album without making the Color Before the Sun a couple years ago. That was more poppy mm. because there's a nice blend of this classic metal and then. Uh, one of the songs, Toys, I feel like could play like on the radio and stuff like that. It sounds like like the riff in it is just like... That didn't Amazing. do it justice. But, is that but Enter Sandman? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it sounds like it could play like on the radio and you could just like, okay. oh yeah, this is good. Um, the, my favorite tracks on here are The Gutter. It's a classic coheed that has a little bit of like screaming pre-chorus in it oh. there's a powerful like pa like arena rock type ballad in the bridge that's really great old flames is a wonderful song that's uh has a very very like sweet and tender piano there's a lot of really good piano on this album that coheed does this thing where they um uh recycle is the wrong word but they'll establish a riff as like like a, a prelude or anything like that. And then they use that as a motif throughout the album. And Old Flames is kind of where this piano motif that you hear throughout the album all kind of comes together in a song, and it works beautifully. Um, yeah, I think I think the prologue song has introduces yeah. that piano. Yeah, the yeah. prologue introduces it, and then Old Flames kind of continues that piano riff into, like, the actual song itself. Well, um, that's I think that's so crucial when you're trying to make a, a concept album, yep. that it's not just the lyrics, but the music has yeah, to, it's, has I mean, to tell it's, it's like well. it's like a movie. Like, I mean, you have to, like, establish these kind of tones and themes early on for them to actually resolve themselves by the end of the story. I haven't really super dived into the story that much because... Usually, whenever I get a Coheed album, I try to listen to the music first and then determine the how much I love the music and the songs themselves, and then kind of connect it to this wider story. Because Coheed is, they're pretty convoluted when they they're like the Christopher Nolan of rock bands mm -hmm. uh, for their stories. Well, I <laughs> I want to take a second to look to break down the uh, the cover art because it seems like we have a uh, a, a cybernetic couple. What embracing is, yeah, is in a burning future a, hotel 
Um, we it looks also like a have a, uh, a black dude and a white chick, so Coheed is woke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. applaud them. Are, well, you, um, are you cyberpunk so this, hunter? I know that the general story takes place is that they're in some kind of a. Uh, this is in the aftermath of. I'm basically going to be talking gibberish to you guys right now. So it's in the <laughs> aftermath of the fall of the keywork, which is like this whole universe that it all takes place in. It all basically. Oh, gets so the destroyed. album's tied together. Yeah. Yeah, all this of is, them? Yeah, this is oh, all shit. going back to, like, that main uh, yeah. theme. So, after this has happened, there's these, like, interplanetary, uh, like, space prisons. Good that uh, there's these... Uh, they're called the five houses of the star supremacy Amazing. that they're <laughs> I feel like I can't even tell you set this up because it just sounds like gibberish to you guys. Anyways, it's just a great, it's Amory a great sci-fi Wars. story. The Amory Wars. Yeah. yeah okay. The yeah, Amory yeah. Wars are not done. They're still going on. All right. Well, and now they have a uh, interrelation, interracial it's, sex. It's like the, it's like the gear wars. <laughs> Do you even know? <laughs> Listen, I'm, I'm just going to talk over you guys. The last song in the album, Lucky Stars, is a beautiful acoustic track. Great send-off for the album. Right, um, but this is I only Act 1, so there's going tee to be, off to... There's been rumors that this is one of... That there's gonna, that Coheed had... Before this album came out, they had five albums that they were going to make, and then they were going to be done for good. So this oh, could shit. be Act 1 of five. And then they'll be over. And then okay. that'll be the end, which... I am if I, I was not expecting to get four more albums. If I get four more albums of Coheed that are this quality, I would be elated. Like I can't I can't believe that Claudio's voice still sounds the way that it does when he's like fucking forty years old. Like that's incredible. Is, is the yeah, that is a good point because he can he, he can, can get fucking, high. And yeah. He gives it his fucking all in yeah, this it's album. It's just it's not my cup of tea. Like yeah. I just hear him and I can't I yeah. cannot get here's, into yeah, it. Yeah, here's my stance. I've I've been actively shitting on Coheed for about six years now because of you and you know what i'm happy for you i'm happy th that you like this album i'll tell you another thing uh i was shitting a lot on new fallout boy on a, a pod like probably a month ago and, and you, you heard it and well you said uh if i don't like any of the new fallout boy at least listen to the song lake effect kid yeah it's a good song and it's a good song it's a good song it's, it's a good pop pump song like brett friend of the pod list you could you would probably like uh lake effect kid it's it's kind of a throwback brett wake up <laughs> Brett, Brett, you're sleeping. Wait, um, wake up. No, I, uh, I'm, I'm, I just, I love that the band kind of. It felt a little bit on their last couple albums that, especially, um, not so much with Color Before the Sun, because I think it kind of reinvigorated them to do something different aside from like trying to make this big grand sci-fi story. But with their last uh, double album that they made, the Afterman story. It felt like on, like, half the tracks, they were just kind of phoning it in. Like, they just had just kind of a generic, um, like, battle rock kind of riff to it. And then they just kind of used that as a crux. It felt like the band was kind of sagging a little bit. And this album, they're fucking giving it their all. Like, they, you can tell that the band is proud of the project that they're putting out yeah, there. And that's I'm, just, that's I'm really impressive. happy for It's that. impressive that they can keep trucking with, like, this, like, heady, like like difficult to con even conceive shit after all these years yeah i mean well like it's hard to be creative for like an hour <laughs> claudio is also claudio and his wife i mean they they do uh they write the, of course the comics and the graphic novels oh, for I the albums about that. but crazy. they also have like a couple other comic lines which claudio and chandra will write together and then she's an amazing artist and she kind of uh draws and puts everything together for them so Does she draw any of the cover art? stories 
I'm not. She might have actually drawn this, uh, or at least like computer generated this thing because yeah. it doesn't really look hand drawn. Yeah, it kind of. It almost looks like like a video game or something All like right. that. Yeah. Well, this that's okay. So we gave you your allotted. Well, 10 I minutes. I had one. I had one more thing to say, which is that <laughs> in a little uh, in a little while we're going to talk about the um, unlikely nature of rock and roll being a worldwide phenomenon, and I think that it's. Every time we talk about like a rock band, like a new rock album, mm. we kind of start to get into a little bit of this ongoing topic about like, what does a rock band do in a world where rock is kind of dying? Yep. And you have a band like Fall Out Boy that is struggling, struggling a little bit to stay relevant and to kind of keep making music and, and paying the bills by paying by playing music and and maybe evolve with the changing times and the sound. But I think that. It's really admirable that Coheed can still be in their own niche, in their own sound, and doesn't feel the need to like do weird shit outside of that. Yeah, and and can still keep their artistic integrity. No, and I, uh, I mean, don't get me wrong, I I respect what Fall Out Boy is doing because you can say like they're struggling to stay relevant, but Fall Out Boy still plays on the radio. Like their right. new songs play on pop radio. It's like they are staying point. relevant. Yeah, there are a few bands but, that always manage to stick around. The other, the other one that is like low key still there is Walk the Moon. Yeah, Walk the Moon still around. Yeah, but they're look no, at, But I mean, look at Maroon Five. They are. Look, Whenever I turn on the yeah. radio, they are on every day. Yeah, yeah. Walk the Moon. Shut I think up it's, and dance. It's with one of those. Me. Yeah, and then they have a new one, and it's not good. But Portugal the Man had a yeah, song yeah. that oh, went huge. Yeah. yeah, they were just like, yeah, let's just do pop now. Yeah. <laughs> a song that is definitely and not written by Portugal the Man. Did you guys hear um, fucking Capital Cities sold Safe and Sound to Wells Fargo? Uh, Great. Um, yeah. So now with every Wells Fargo commercial, it goes. Din, 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 oh, my God. Din, 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 din. What like really slow? Oh, no. What happened to those guys? They put out an album. They and it's and no bad. one cared. It's bad. What ha- th- like they it, didn't release an album for like six years yeah. after in a um, tidal wave tidal of mystery. Wave. It was so yeah. promising. It, like, that's an I amazing album. It was it was pop and it could play on any commercial and it was still good and yeah. and they just like dropped off the map. Yeah, no, I it, it's it's weird. I just think I think that it all comes down to uh, Claudio and Bradley Cooper are the only people who are trying to save rock and roll. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um. Let's let's move on. Uh, so, Maybe it's time to let So Ernie has been watching shit. I heard. Yeah. So, um, good old Netflix is at it again, and a lot of times, you know. Well, okay. Netflix puts out a show every single week. Sometimes two, sometimes three, sometimes ten. Uh, and every once in a while, they put out something that I'm genuinely interested in. Because most of the time, I look at all of the new shit that comes out, and I'm like, fuck yeah, this. This looks bad. like garbage. <laughs> so, Maniac is the new show from Kerry Fukunaga. He directed every episode. And it stars Jonah Hill and Emma Stone. Um, and it's also created by this guy named Patrick Somerville. I don't know if I know other stuff that he has written, but he 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 had a writer's room. He had some help. Um, and this is a 10-episode miniseries. I've watched, I think, seven episodes or so, so I'm almost done. Okay. It's, it's really interesting. It's kind of like Eternal Sunshine meets the matrix wow kind of thing that's a, that's a big pitch okay. yeah it's it's this weird story about a clinical 
kind of pharmaceutical trial mm. uh, where people volunteer to be kind of psychoanalyzed and uh, take this uh, this pill type thing. It's like three pills, so it's a, it's a whole clinical trial to kind of do this experimental um, treatment to treat their whatever mental illness that they may be struggling with. So our two main characters, Jonah Hill and Emma Stone, they're um, Owen and um, Allie, I think. Um, By the way, two of my favorite actors. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. and we're seeing them in a Netflix TV yeah. show, and, which is crazy. And our boy Justin Theroux's in there. Okay, so, so I'm going to get to Justin Theroux because... <laughs> Secretly, that is the only reason why I watch this show. <laughs> you know, you tell me, Which, you tell me, it's a weird sci-fi show directed by Kerry Fukunaga and starring Jonah Hill and Emma Stone, and I'm like, huh? You throw in Justin <laughs> Theroux, and I'm like, all right, I'm watching. Speaking this. of Justin Theroux, you know what, Patrick Somerville, one of the things that he's known for writing for it was he wrote like four or five episodes of The Leftovers. Okay, oh. there you go, so, there you go. Yeah, I'm trying to find out which episodes they were. But. Um, I mean, The Leftovers had a big writers' room mm-hmm. for their third season, so it may be that. Um, but this show is really fucking weird. I would not you really. Ha- you rec- haven't. You haven't said good yet. <laughs> it's, it's not good. It's, I like it sometimes. <laughs> it, it's okay. So is the, it too weird? So what happens is that you're in, in the first two episodes. You're introduced to these characters. First episode is Jonah Hill's character. Second episode is uh, Emma Stone's character, and you kind of get like their backstory, what they're struggling with. Um, some of like their daily live types thing. And it, it's very stylized. Yeah. It's shot very well. It's acted very well. But you're kind of wondering like, all right, when are we going to get to the weird shit? Let's go. And then once they're finally in the clinical trial and they start taking these pills, they're kind of, they take the pill and then they're connected, not literally connected, but like um, analyzed by this big supercomputer, this AI machine mm-hmm. And then we're transported to these, like, basically fantasy scenarios that take place in their head. So we get this uh, one sequence, this one episode. It basically takes up an entire episode. I think it's the third episode where Emma Stone and Jonah Hill are a married couple in Long Island. And Jonah Hill has, like, a mullet and the <laughs> and the football jersey and they're just like this i like that yeah and it's it's kind of like grand theft auto in long island cuz they just they decide that they're going to break into this like mob uh fur coat okay. shop how how steal. long is this little sequence uh it's it's like a well it's like a whole episode pretty okay. much so the first two episodes they introduce the characters then by the end of the second episode they're in the clinical trial and then the third episode is this whole long island sequence but then it gets really interesting because it starts to bleed over in the, into this completely other d- completely different thing where they're like secret agents in some sort of like uh old timey great gatsby like party yeah and okay yeah but so- this is weird because you love like Lost and Leftovers and Twin Peaks and all that. So w- without like spoiling, like why isn't this landing like that? Because I'm I'm not invested in the characters. Okay, it's yeah. kind of it's just very stylistic. It's very cool and weird and bizarre. But it's hard for me to care about what's happening in these fantasy dream sequences if I know that first of all that it's not real, yeah. and second of all if I it's if there's n- there's not that much set up in terms of like being invested into what's actually happening because all that's really set up 
is that these two characters are sick. So Owen is schizophrenic and Emma um, is, I'm going to call her by her character name, Annie. Uh, she is suffering from like severe trauma because she yeah. lost her sister. Okay. Uh, and she's, oh, and the other thing with her is she gets her hands on the A pill. So it's three pills, A, B, C. She gets her hands on the A pill from just some dealer and she is hooked on it she's like addicted to it oh shit and the only reason why she goes to the trial in the first place is because she runs out of the pill and she wants to get more of it and she just wants to like swindle her way into the trial to do this drug that she's fucking hooked on um i i generally like the show i just don't think it's that great of a show just because i can kind of tune out and be fine because if i'm Mm. missing some sequence that's taking place in some elf uh fantasy world like it doesn't i'm it doesn't really matter you know there's not that much narrative weight to what's going on all of it all of these like fantasy dream sequences are kind of just the characters trying to deal with their trauma and find and and the clinical trial and the the supercomputer finding ways to like have them confront whatever is going on in their in their brains and what they're struggling with all right Um, i'm curious to see how it's going to pay off because I do have like two or three episodes left, so maybe there might good. yeah there yeah. might be some big dramatic emotional payoff to all of this. But yeah. so far it's just like really cool, stylistic, uh, weird, and bizarre um, show with two very very talented actors. Like they're both great, and I think what makes this show really appealing is that it's kind of like a playground sandbox type show because they're they're weaving through all these different genres like. You have this, uh, you know, Long Island couple. Then you go to the secret agent stuff. Then you go to some, like, Scorsese mob yeah, type that's, shit. that sounds awesome And then me. a fantasy world. So it is cool to see them, yeah. like, kind of take on all these different genres within the same show. Um, oh, but then before I finish, I got to talk about Justin Thoreau. Because he plays the guy that's kind of running the trial. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he kind of takes over for an, a different guy who starts up. And he's basically his th- that guy's old partner mm. who got sidelined and now has to come back to kind of oversee it and there's this really strange dynamic between the people running the trial and the supercomputer because the supercomputer is basically it, it's a character because it's an artificial intelligence and she's played by Sally Field oh, and wow. then later on we are introduced to actual Sally Field who's Thoreau's mom so he Whoa. based the computer on his own mother <laughs> and then at one mother. point and then at one point she has to go in because okay i'm gonna spoil a tiny little bit the <laughs> the super the supercomputer is malfunctioning because she's grieving she's i'm not gonna say why because i guess i don't need to spoil that but she is grieving so we have this computer who is like depressed and suicidal who needs to oversee these clinical trials. And I think that's why like shit's kind of going wrong a little bit in these dream sequences. So that's kind of interesting. Uh, but I, I'm loving Thoreau's character because he's awesome. He's yeah, amazing. He's Everything he does is amazing. And he is introduced in the best possible way. The first time we see him in this show, he is having sex with a VR, like, vixen in some, like, fantastical right, land. Right. You're Classic spoiling Thoreau. too much. <laughs> Classic Thoreau. I'm already hard. Um, and he has, like, a Goku VR hair. <laughs> all right, I don't want to know anymore. I'm, 
I'm in on this. I'm going to watch it. So you do recommend this show? Yeah, I I'm not I'm saying it's not the greatest show of the year. It's still worth watching, yeah. even though it's not like it just sounds. Wow. So, yeah. did you say it is a miniseries? So this is it's just one season. Yeah, that's what okay. they're billing it as. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um. Well, that's that's. I was expecting more positivity, but it still sounds so fucking out there. That exactly. I'm already yeah. super in. I already was just based on the billing of it. Like who's who's behind it. Uh, so yeah, I'm gonna check it out either way. Yeah, I'm excited. The, so that's Maniac on. I just want to see him with Goku. Hey? Yeah, <laughs> on so Netflix. Funny. That's so fucking. The funny. best. The best thing about it is the sh- the episodes are not an hour long. They're like 30, 40 minutes. Oh God! Yes, yeah. thank God. It's it's great. That's good. it's really really great. All right, cool. Um, okay, so before we take a break, let's talk a little bit about some classic movies we've seen. Oh, so yeah, baby. I'll be very brief, or let's let's be brief with Die Hard, which I watched this week. Classic film. I love Die Hard. Yeah. Um, the best Christmas movie. Yeah, yeah. So I, I just, I just put it on, just, just to put it on, and it's, it's one of the best uh, action movies ever made. It's so simple. It's yeah. so, so simple, and it was great to see uh, Alan Rickman in there. Uh, I think last time I saw this movie was like right after Rickman died, or right around that time. Um, mm-hmm. So it was nice to like revisit yeah. and be like, "Damn, he's gone." Um, uh, I know he's he's kind of hated by a lot of people, but Dan Harmon, uh, you can find online, he wrote a series of essays about story structure that are based on Joseph Campbell's theory that of the mono myth that every story is the same story, and as his example of a perfect script that uses the exact story of the hero's journey, it's Die Hard. Nice. It follows every single step, yet it's not. Uh, it's not hack. It's fresh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's that's the that's the balance you want. You want it to be the story that everyone likes, which is you know a hero needs to change. Something happens to him. He says no at first, and then he dives in, and then you know things get dark, and then he confronts the the maker. He confronts quote unquote God, which is uh, aptly uh, Snape. Yeah, and <laughs> and then he you know he returns having changed. And this movie is exactly that, and it's so fucking good. It's yeah. so simple. Yep. It's it's pretty much a flawless film. I, I think I would struggle to point out things that don't really hold up because even by 80s standards, like this is an amazing movie. You oh, know? yeah. Even when they're like... Practical, man. That, if you keep things practical, then it, exactly. it, just, it looks good still. Yeah. There's, there's a scene towards the end where um, they're on the roof of the building and he is being shot at by the FBI agents because they think he's one of the terrorists and he has to like evade a fucking rocket that shot at oh, him. It's awesome. And it looks mm-hmm. great. And it, well, it looks real. Yeah. <laughs> Which is crazy. It's, <laughs> it's not like overdone like Michael Bay. Exactly. It's all shot well. Bruce Willis is amazing. Might be his best role. This there's yeah. yeah, there's a great rewatchables podcast episode where they talk about how he like by no means was he uh, a guarantee to be a movie star this movie it rested upon him it was like are the audiences going to buy him because he had starred in the tv show moonlighting um and he you know people really liked him but he's he doesn't you know he's not like super attractive he was like heavily balding at the time <laughs> um he's like a little like it's just there, he had all this going against him and he just has that smirk you just like him he's yeah. very likable um his and- quips when he talks to himself it works oh, like it wouldn't work with anyone else. exactly <laughs> I, I wouldn't want to see anyone else do it even like a someone who like would have also gotten that role like a mel gibson 
I just like Bruce Willis more. Like, I think that Bruce Willis paved the way for like Jason Statham to be a movie star. <laughs> like he bald, paved the way for bald, bald guys. Dude, <laughs> bald buff dudes who aren't really like attractive. Yeah. But You're welcome. they can Vin, still like pull off that yeah, the rock. Yeah, yeah. They can all pull off that like huge, like bulky action star aesthetic because of Bruce Willis. But but when you look at someone like The Rock, like he's so sort of far gone in that direction that he almost it it comes off a little Less the Rock genuine. is like a punchline at this point. Though. Yeah, yeah, too. Because The Rock is too squeaky clean. Like he had, he tried to make that skyscraper movie this year, which was basically Die Hard with die, one leg, Die Hard, but from outside of the building. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think the reason why I, I feel like this is the perfect role for Bruce Willis, yeah. because of his reluctance. Like Bruce Willis is, exactly. is a reluctant guy. Yeah, that's the and thing. that's who John McClane is. That's exact. You're exactly right. It's this whole thing of he's like, oh, I don't want to be a hero, yeah. and you're like, yeah, you don't quite look like one. Maybe yeah. you shouldn't be. And then he is one, and you're like, fuck yeah, you're a hero. He's doing <laughs> he this it. because he kind of has to because he showed up to a party that he didn't even want to go to, <laughs> or, yeah, or not yeah. that he didn't want to, but he was like, I don't know, he. He kind of, he was kind of like in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah, it's type like of it's thing. yeah, it's like the whole it's like the clerks thing. Like I'm not even supposed to be here. Yeah, like and he he rides that for two hours. It's great. And by the end, he loves his wife. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. It's such a good fucking movie. I love it. I love it. Um. All right, let's get into another classic that we watched, Halloween. Yeah. So um, I'm running out of time to actually do this, but originally I gave myself the goal, and I'm not giving up on it yet. I'm going to rewatch every Halloween movie before the next Halloween movie comes Except out. Except Rob Zombies. Yeah, no, Rob Zombie movies, those don't exist. <laughs> um, also, I can only have two just Halloweens in my life. If we're just going to yeah. bring back the same title of just Halloween, do you we're about to have our third... Halloween movie. <laughs> the Halloween. Yeah, the Halloween. Do you want to know something fucked up? What? The only one that I've seen is a Rob Zombie Halloween. Oh, oh no. <laughs> oh, a, I, I co-host the film Why? podcast. <laughs> um, it, was, it was really bad. Yeah. So I didn't watch any of the others. So um, we started this by uh, watching the first one, the yeah. classic John, John Carpenter. Carpenter yeah. um, this movie is like perfect. Like this movie launched a whole genre. Like yeah, slasher. The, the horror slasher genre would not exist today if it wasn't for this movie. We wouldn't have Nightmare on Elm Street or Friday the Thirteenth or any of these kind of classic slasher movies without this. It's crazy that sometimes people try to pin movies like Nightmare, Nightmare on Elm Street to be the true pioneers of the genre, but people forget that Halloween came out in the seventies. Yeah. And then those all those other movies came out in the 80s. Yeah. I mean, we were talking about while watching this. I mean, I, I had the same thing whenever I was uh, rewatching Night of the Living Dead a couple months ago. Is that, like, everything about this movie holds up except for, like, the actual practical murders that they do. Just because this movie had, like, no goddamn budget. And so, like, you'll see, like, Michael Myers, like, stab a dude in the chest and, like, one drip of blood comes down. And you're like, oh, I don't know about that. That's funny. I, I think that's why Rob Zombie was trying to remake it and just, like, I'm going to make it extra bloody. Blood everywhere. And yeah, well, even with like the, 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 the one they made after this, Halloween 2, yep. they kind of tried to just make almost the same type of movie but with a higher budget because the first Halloween had a $300,000 budget barely over a quarter of a million dollars and it was a huge sensation it made like uh it's it looks like it made 70 million dollars so one of the most profitable films of all time yeah 
Oh, yeah, I mean, definitely. And <laughs> it's funny that this movie, like, also it kind of invented the jump scare. And not just, like, the jump scare itself, but also, like, the With anticipation the surrounding right, when the, the jump dread. scares. The, like, that feeling of just tension that you don't know when Michael's going to peer out from around the bush or something like that. And there will be lots of times where it's the fake out and, like, you're, like, tense, tense, tense. Oh, there's nothing there. Well, this is one of those movies where watching it 40 years later, you kind of have to try to put yourself in the shoes of people who saw it when it came out because it's so influential that a lot of the things that this movie does, you you kind of want to laugh at it a little bit because it's been parodied to death and it's been retreaded to death yeah. that you kind of have to tell yourself Halloween was the first movie yeah, to do a lot this of this. This was shit. the one that started everything. Yeah. So even shots like when it slowly pans back on uh, to, uh, to a wide, and then you get like the slight over the shoulder of Michael Myers watching two people make out from across the yeah. room. Like in so many other movies, that's just been like it's overdone. Like hack, but yeah, this but, movie made it hack exactly. <laughs> like, and. The opening to this movie is perfect. Yeah, like the opening a, to this movie is incredible. It it's just starts three in shots like, stitched together into a big oneer. Yeah, it just looks like yeah, it looks like a big oneer. That's it's you're all from the perspective of baby Michael Myers just yeah. staring at the house, and then. You but it's see, great because you start out not even knowing that. Yeah, you don't find that out until the no, end. No, yeah, of the you sequence. think that you're just like just a fly on the wall, just like coming with until finally you like work your way into the house and you see yourself like grab the knife. knife it's like you are michael myers like it is it is genius the way that yeah. that all works together um one thing that's uh funny to me rewatching this is jamie lee curtis is very obviously not a high school student when this is made she's like in her mid to late 20s yeah. and she's so much older than every other girl but that's so many movies in this era oh no yeah, yeah i know because they couldn't really like have child stars exactly. or anything but I love Jamie Lee Curtis. She is so fucking good in this movie. Like, And for a movie that I was kind of curious to see, I haven't seen Halloween since I was like a teenager. I was kind of curious to see how well it holds up as far as like... Um, the scares? Well, not just the scares themselves, because I do think those are still like, do work for the most part, but uh, how the movie like treats women and stuff like that right, in that respect yeah. in the current climate that we're in. And they get murdered. Well, yes, they do get murdered, but also men, like men also get murdered. Jamie Lee Curtis is a fucking <laughs> badass in this movie. Oh yeah, she's like awesome. she is a badass, and, and and it's done perfectly because it's like it's not like the movie flips a switch and it, she's suddenly just good at killing and defending yeah. herself. It, you're gradually put into the space of her fighting for survival, and it it feels very natural of someone who is just something animalistic kicks in inside of her to fight back. Yeah. I mean, this, it has like, another thing this movie started was like the whole like feeling of like, Oh God, don't go inside the house. Yeah. Don't, don't go up the stairs. Don't, don't open that door. Like it started that whole like feeling of just like wanting to scream at the screen and just tell people like, no, what are you doing? Don't do that. That's stupid. Um, but I like how, like the first time that she attacks Mike Michael Myers she just like grabs like just something near it's like a fucking like a sewing needle and just stabs him in the eye with it and then she just like throws the knife on the ground because she's still like she's really smart but she's not she doesn't know how to fucking like kill somebody so she still does like stupid type of things trying to hide from this person it's 
this movie is incredible. Yeah, like, the whole really the whole movie just... leads up to that final sequence perfectly. The the tension builds perfectly. I think my only complaints are that a lot of the acting is just straight up bad. Like some of the other some of her friends, like her two friends, their some of their line readings are like atrociously horrible. It's a budget thing. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's a budget thing and I, another budget thing is just some of the kills are kind of laughable, um, but they just didn't have the money to make it look good. So, of course, the first kill you see when Michael Myers kills his sister, it's like the camera intentionally like pans up to the ceiling so you don't you don't even see it. Mm. And it pans down and she's bleeding. Um, but aside from that, I Great movie. It, it, it affected me, dude. Like yeah. I walked out of. Hunter's house, and I was like looking over my shoulder, dun, walking dun, to my dun, car. Yeah. Dun, 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 I was that, like, "Fuck!" <laughs> it, it, it like it's still the best things that hold up about that movie are just that unsettling feeling of being watched. Yeah, like you genuinely still feel like you're like kind of creeping over. <laughs> like you see a person. It it happened to me um, the other night. I was like driving home from work. I felt like I kept seeing this car following me. Oh and I was god. like, "Oh my god, dude!" Like this is still a thing that happens now. I it's still a genuinely. Uh, troubling movie and that's that I mean I think that's what makes it perfect in my opinion is that despite some of the budgetary issues this movie is still damn near effective yeah and it it does that with such little to work with you know with just a guy in a jumpsuit and a shitty mask yeah and just the use of slow wide shots and patient takes and the music that yeah. just kind of oh, like well, overlays there's, everything. There's two other things that I wanted to bring up. One is just the music in this movie. It's, uh, like, it's so it's effective. John Carpenter, John Carpenter wrote the entire soundtrack as well as writing and directing it. And like it is so good. Like that is one and of those iconic back for the new things. One. Yeah. Also, a little side note I wanted to bring up. I don't know if you guys know this. Um, so in the movie Baby Driver... Of course, it leads to a great visual gap. They have Mike Myers instead of Michael Myers masks. Mm. Um, that was actually a uh, contract issue because they were going to originally use Michael Myers masks, but then since they're making the new Halloween movie, Universal couldn't get the rights to actually oh, do that. Yeah. So they had to change it to Mike Myers, which worked for a good visual gag, but yeah, fun fact. And the, the mask that they used in the original film was I think it was a Burt Reynolds mask. No, it was a William Shatner yeah, mask yeah. <laughs> that they cut the eyes out and it was like the cheapest like dollar store thing that they could find. That's and funny. now it's fucking iconic. Yep. Yep. Uh, all right, you guys want to take a little breaky break? Yeah. I've been eating kimchi fried rice and I just drank a cold brew. So uh, let's just say I need a break. All right. <laughs> we'll take a break and then we're talking uh, a star is born. We'll be right back. This is a kid. Everyone can thank me for this selection. Good contenders for best actress this year, have we? No, this has been a pretty pretty weak year as far as the uh, 
female category goes at the Oscars this year. I'm trying to think if there's any. Uh, did you guys just hear something? Was Streepin' something this year? No, really, did you guys just... Shape of Water was last year. Huh. I don't know. I can't think of anything. I, don't, I feel like I don't there's know. something like I can like hear it in my head. There's something that we're forgetting, but um, Glenn Glenn Close. No, um, it's got Jennifer Jennifer Lawrence. Something she, was she in something was Mother. Wait, I got it. I got it. Tony Collette. Ah, uh, yeah, of course, of course, Her- hereditary. Of course. Yeah, uh, there we go. All right. Anyway, Harry um, Terry. Anyway, we're talking uh, a Star Is Born, I guess. A Star is Born, directed by Mr. Bradley Cooper. We we took a p- Twitter poll. It was very tight between this and Venom. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, yeah. I, I still want to see Venom. Did we actually do a Twitter poll? Uh, I, no, I did one, maybe? except it was off of Twitter. It was just with myself. I'll ask my <laughs> intern. <laughs> um, so We should act like we have an intern. <laughs> we do. Yeah, yeah. And, and, <laughs> intern Anubis. Yeah, exactly. Um, all good podcasts have an intern. So, okay. I really... I'm excited to get into this movie. Yeah. Um, let's lay the stage yeah. here. So this movie is the directorial debut of Bradley Cooper, and it's basically the biggest role that Lady Gaga has had because the only other thing she was in was American Horror Story, which she did win a Golden Globe for. Yeah. But, I mean, who gives a shit about the fifth season <laughs> well, of American Horror Story? So I didn't really realize this, but Lady Gaga has, like, a huge theater background and everything else. So, like, she knows you would, how to act. Well, I mean, you would kind of guess. I'm, her whole pop persona is a thing. It's, it's, an, yeah, it's an act. Exactly. Um, so this is the fourth time they have made this movie. Yes. 30s, 50s, 70s, and now 2010s. Yeah. The last time was Barbara Streisand And Chris Christopherson, role. which, mm-hmm. I mean, that movie didn't really wow critics as much as this one has. But it is it was a cultural phenomenon in, in yeah, its yeah. day. You um, know, everyone and, saw it. But obviously, I mean, that, that all of those are a long time ago. So, like, it's not like anyone our age has really seen those. But that one, what that one did is it laid the groundwork for this version because that one made the choice of making the musicians. The first two, they were uh, actors. Yeah, yeah. It was it, it was the Oscars instead of the Grammys. So making the choice of, of turning them into rock stars was really great because it's, of the climate in the 70s and it just makes for uh, a better story i think yeah uh so the trailer drops for this movie and it's it it gets memed to death and it deserved it because yeah. the, the trailer is so annoying in so many ways in my opinion i was just the way it just says from director bradley yeah. cooper and yeah. you're like well okay I, well you're the, just the raccoon from avengers <laughs> as he is best well known it's just it's like it's ben really from wet hot it's like it's advertising it really hard, but it's like, but we don't know if he's a good director. So you're just saying like, hey, he's good. Trust us. Right. And then there's obviously the singing of Gaga coming in. Uh, and then there's the fucking, hey, I just want to take another look at you. Yeah. <laughs> it just, it's all funny. I laughed every time I saw it. And it played before every fucking and, movie. Yeah. Every- and I was getting it in my like YouTube ads. I was getting it everywhere. 
Yeah, like we watch Hulu. we watch a lot of movies, and I think I've seen this trailer probably like close to fifty yeah. times at this point. Yeah. Like, it would not ever stop. Yeah, I knew like the entirety of the song that's in the trailer. I was about to go off the deep end. <laughs> I did go off the deep end. It's just, and you, yeah, you see Lady Gaga, you're like, I'm not totally sure she can convincingly play a more subdued part. You see Bradley Cooper, and you're like, is he? Can he really direct and act at the same time? Um, and we watched it, and. I loved it. I loved it too. I loved it. I thought it was I, great. I, I really liked it too. Loved it. I have um, some definite problems with the issues, and I feel like a lot of it goes back to the direction. Um, like right now, people are talking about Bradley Cooper as the front runner to win Best Director, and um, not to get too into spoilers for a movie that we're going to talk about next week. But I think that First Man is the most well directed movie that I've seen this year. Um, overall though, I did still really enjoy it. I was impressed with a lot of the acting. Um, the storytelling was kind of shaky at certain points, but for the most part, I really liked the story that was being told. Oh yeah. I just, I don't like every moment in the trailer that I thought was way too cornball. It worked. for me, I didn't find this movie cheesy, and I thought that was going to be the downfall There's of it. some moments that are kind of corny, but it was, like, good corny. It's just, like, it's moments that, in my head, I'm like, this should be so corny. The, there's a moment where she is just, like, kind of, like, writing in, in, writing in her head and singing a song on the spot. Normally, that's the, the parking most, lot scene. Yeah, normally, that's the most hack thing of someone just being like, hmm, whoa, that's actually, like, sounds great. But it actually, it was acted very patiently, and it was shot pretty well, and I was like, this is... It should suck, and it's really good. I, I was think like, what the hell. The, the thing I admire the most about this movie is that it is probably the most movie movie of the year that yeah. I've seen yeah. so far. Yes. It's two huge stars. It is a, It is one guy who is making a movie basically about himself, about his own celebrity, and positioning himself as this like very serious capital S filmmaker. Yeah. And uh, a pop star who is trying to win a fucking Oscar for acting and it all works. And I think that there's something magical about movies like this when they come out, when there's so much anticipation for them, when there's so much cultural conversation around them and they deliver in such an unexpected way because this movie is not perfect. Like this movie is full of issues and problems and plot contrivances and there's a lot of things with the actual plot that are really shaky but i kind of didn't care yeah, about no. a lot of it because it just it emotionally got to me yeah and just the fact that it was it, it's really interesting to have specifically gaga and cooper in this film because there's so much meta-ness to the film. Yeah. And and it's I think when talking about this movie, you kind of have to talk about it in the context of their own celebrity and in their, in their own careers because I think that's what fascinates me the most about this movie that what I took away from it was not necessarily the story being told, but the feeling I got from watching these two specific people in these two specific roles. Mm. Yeah, I do think that um, I uh, have like a list of every theme that this movie touches on and there's way too many um, in my opinion that a lot of them are just kind of 
for like one scene them trying to make a statement and then it never really actually goes back to that or there will be like a theme that's established in the first third of the movie that then never comes back again and it feels a little bit unfocused at certain points I feel like that is one of the things that took a little bit away from the uh, relationship core that this movie focuses on for me Um, I I can't really get into a lot of specifics until we get into spoilers and everything but overall I did I was impressed with this movie I was kind of went into it um, not expecting bad things because overall the it's been overwhelmingly praised by yeah. critics and by the populace. I think some but, critics are kind of overdoing it a little bit. Yeah, uh, people are calling it like one of the most important movies of the of the 21st century and shit. And it's like, ah, I don't know about that. Like, let's let's calm down just a little bit yeah. here. I still fucking love the this music movie. in this movie was good. Was so that's the good. other piece of it. It is it's a musical. Um, it's not one of the musicals where every line is sung because those I hate every single one of those. Mm-hmm. But it's works it's like it's almost like how high school musical is a it's a it's a musical about a musical you know what i mean this is this is a music movie about music and that's why the music makes so much sense yeah because the music is in the story yeah it yeah that it's woven in so easily so it's not like you're watching like gangs fight and then they start singing and you're like (laughs) what like that that's kind of a tonal clash that i tend to dislike um all the music was it, a, it was appropriate for what they were trying to convey. You have Bradley Cooper, who is, uh, you know, an aging. You can surmise he's kind of a former rock star that went more country mm-hmm. because that's the thing that happens a lot nowadays. Kind of like a Darius Rucker, but more hard rock. Well, that, he he modeled himself after Eddie Vedder slightly. Yeah, exactly, an Eddie Vedder or a Scott Weiland, but not dead yet. Um, right, <laughs> like one of those types who's kind of burning out a little, so he goes into country and it kind of revives him. Um, and his music, I thought, was very well conceived from that. He's a good enough singer because rock singers from the 90s aren't good singers. So Bradley Cooper is passable as a 90s yeah. rock singer. I think singer. he does yeah. a great job. Yeah, he's, he's not a bad singer at all. Lady Gaga is a great singer, on the other hand, so it makes sense that she would blow up. And uh, talking about career parallels, I think the most are there with Lady Gaga's career. It's It's kind mm. of jarring almost. It's a little autobiographical. Yeah. It's Fine. extremely because, I mean, she was obviously a lot more insistent like she was like i am going to be big like notoriously she was like you know dragging her piano to different bars in new york she was living this life but it was more of a life of like no i'm not going to take serving for an i'm answer. not going to change who i am to be famous or anything like yeah, that. yeah but, but she kind she of did she yeah she, that's the thing she did do big pop and she did it her way more than her character ali does in this where it's just like totally not her like lady gaga definitely had a signature style and a big bravado to her that was unique um but yeah, it the career parallels are incredible, and performance wise, a lot of it hinged on her. And I absolutely loved her in this movie. I thought that she completely nailed it. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that this movie is worth the ticket price alone. Um, for I saw this movie in Dolby, and Me it's too. worth the ticket price just for the actual concert scenes themselves. Like you totally feel agree. like the audience is right behind you. Um, like for a lot of those scenes, this very live it feels very authentic these live concert moments like you were there in the moment with them yeah and i thought that all of that worked excellent i think the the great um the seeing it in a theater with great sound also lends well to the sam elliott scenes especially when <sighs> sam elliott and bradley cooper are talking to each other and your your seat just rattles with the bass of their voice when you're talking like this yeah. stole my sam voice. elliott is greatest voice in this yeah. movie. he is uh, so good i think 
I don't think there was like a super weak performance in the whole the, movie. The British guy. Uh, his, char- I, I, his, his character, character was kind of boring, but it, I thought that his performance itself was fine. Yeah, and as far as his like his character, yeah, and just even the tertiary characters, we have Chappelle for a little bit, and he. A lot of people forget that he was a, a straight up actor before he was a famous comedian. He looks huge too. His yeah. arms are massive. Oh yeah, he's jacked as fuck. But he did. I thought he did an amazing job. I loved all of him in this movie i love sam neill in this movie that's not a shock i loved the guy who i'm assuming that he is just kind of out of nowhere the guy who played lady gaga's best friend yeah he's from broadway he He was on uh hamilton he's so good and he's another guy he has a super non-traditional look to him and he just nails it in this movie yeah her dad and all of their friends living in the house (laughs) together i loved everything with them that was just all great scenes i i definitely have complaints about you know some of the 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 choices done by by Bradley Cooper directing this thing, and I think that some of the editing, the the editing is interesting because f- at times the editing is fucking masterful. Like there are sequences that are just perfect, where the music just takes you seamlessly from one location to another, and even when you're intercutting between the two leads, uh, and the, the music sort of brings them together. But then there's times when the editing is just straight up bad because as you start to really get into the meat of this relationship i had a really tough time telling the passage of time and how they were how much time they had actually been together so certain things started to fall apart in my head because i was like okay wait a second has this been going on for a week or a month or a year I have no idea. Yeah, so, I, I agree completely. Whenever you're talking about the passage of time, that was one of my main complaints about like really? the editing itself is that I was never very clear to me exactly. of what was yeah. exactly happening. And then it like reached this point where um, the Grammy show up and you're like, wait, how much, how long has this been happening for? Like, I don't yeah, know. We have yeah. no way of knowing. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. how you know the Grammys are happening. <laughs> that, that, I guess. I, like, yeah. honestly, that, that's why it didn't bother me because they're just, they're not being like, Hey, it's been a month that we've been together. Now moving on, you know, right, like right. it's just like, hey, you know, you can kind of look around. They live together now. You're like, it's been a while, and then and then you get you get the touring montage too. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah, probably a few it, months it, right there. There were some points where I was kind of surprised a little bit, but it mostly kind of flowed for me. Uh, generally, the movie. I thought flowed pretty well. It got a little bit slow at certain parts. Yeah, I think that you could probably trim up like 15 minutes of this movie. Yeah. I think, I yeah, think yeah. It, it definitely didn't need I to agree. be two hours and 20 minutes long. Yeah, it, it's a bit long, um, but I I thought it was extremely well directed. Editing, there were a couple of things, but I think... But there, I, like I said, sometimes the editing is fucking amazing. And, yeah, and the the intimate scenes were done I thought masterfully between the two not just like sex but like the scenes where they are getting to know each other or when just... he rubs a donut on her face yeah 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 and then, <laughs> well okay so I wanted to talk about that scene because there are a lot of scenes like that in this movie where it, it made me happy to watch scenes like that because that's how real life is we talk about like transcendental moments it's moments where it could go anywhere the movie's not afraid to get weird well yeah, yeah and it just that it could that scene you don't know how she's going to react to that this could be the end for them yeah. she could freak the fuck out and be like you're a drunk but yeah. instead you know he has like that sheepish like smile and she's like ah you like there are a lot of moments like that in this movie where you don't know where the scene is going to go because it's not like a traditional set piece scene and yet 
at least for me, when it went wherever it went, I wasn't like, well, that's stupid. Exactly. I, I, I really agree with that because I think one of the things the film does really well in, in communicating their relationship, you get the idea that Allie knows from the start that this guy is a fucking alcoholic. Like, it, it must be that part of his celebrity is his drinking. So it's like... She meets Jackson Maine at a bar. She knows that he's probably drunk as fuck. Like it, it's yeah. probably no mystery that this dude is a drinker. We're we're starting to get into uh, one of the main things I want to talk about, but I want to save it for spoilers. Um, did, did you guys have anything else like non spoiler? Um, I guess as a final thought, I I can't say enough about the two leads, their performances. They should both be nominated for Oscars. They're absolutely phenomenal i think the way lady gaga is able to act while she sings at yep. the same time is beyond anything yep. i have seen it's fucking amazing yep. i would be really happy if she won the oscar but i think best actress is going to be a crowded race um bradley cooper is the best he has ever been this is the best role he has ever had and i think he did an incredible job in making a film about himself and centered around his character because i, I think that this movie ends up really being about him um, I, I think Gaga's character does have a, a very, uh, you know, crucial role. She's not a supporting player, but I think this movie ends up being about Jackson Maine, and he fucking owns it. Uh, and of course, the music. I love the music. I've yep. been listening to it. It's, it's stuck in my head. It, it, it's it's, pretty it, much all of it. Is I was singing. Yeah. yeah, I was singing the shallow all day. And, <laughs> and the thing about the music is that it doesn't work as well without the movie. Oh, it's not yeah. like you can mm. listen to the movie to the music by itself and have the same experience. It they made the music specifically for the emotional rawness of the way these scenes were constructed. And I think the best scene in the movie is the shallow performance. Mm -hmm. I think the movie kind of peaks a little early with that performance and it it honestly brought me to tears. It, yeah, and Every bone in my body for that scene was like, oh, it's the trailer scene. I don't, this is going to be stupid. And I just love, I got goosebumps. Yeah, was, I was like, what the hell? Why yeah. is this good? <laughs> I That's how I felt about most of the movie. I definitely teared up a couple different times. Oh my God. The very end. The very end. It is. Oh my God. Yeah, this is a very emotionally powerful movie. And that's the theme that I think ties it together pretty well for me is that this is a movie about entropy and about the the doom of being a star the, the inevitability yeah the in yeah. the inherent like literally like the life cycle of a star inevitability yeah and it's either a slow fader and it's, it's an explosion and that's what tied the whole movie together aside from the fact that i thought it was very well directed i don't think that was the best part but i was never like well that's an ugly shot i think cooper has a better chance of winning best actor than best director for yeah. sure yeah but i think i mean we just dealt with this we just saw another like auteur uh, directorial acting thing from John Krasinski where he was like, I'm serious now. I think that this is a lot better than A Quiet Place. Well, I think this yeah. is a better Ooh. movie than A Quiet Place. Yeah. Well, I, it's a lot more confident and it's a lot more, uh, I don't know, in line with what a big movie can be. Like yeah. this just feels yeah. big and like important and, this and make, epic. It's making a lot of money. This is going to be a huge like popular yeah, film. Yeah. This is it's it's a hard thing to do. Like it's a it's a crowd-pleasing movie. Every girl that I know that I'm like like at work yesterday I was like oh I saw a Stars Born and everyone's like oh my god, oh my god, how was she? How was Gaga? <laughs> like it's a movie that people want to see based on name power and usually those movies 
we've talked about it before. They don't have to be good, and people they will make money. Who was originally tied to do it? Was it Clint Eastwood? Yeah. So was Clint Eastwood and Beyonce. So no, well, Clint Clint was supposed to direct it. He was never going to star. Oh, okay. Yeah, that he, would suck. <laughs> Plus, Dude, he's like Clint Eastwood and Beyonce dream couple, right? Yeah. There. I mean, he's pretty much definitely a huge racist. Also, yeah. he had he had Beyonce locked, and then a couple names were circling um, the Jackson main role, including Christian Bale. Leo DiCaprio uh, and Tom Cruise. And Those then, guys are a little bit too clean, though. I yeah. think Bradley Cooper can do like kind of more of the rugged yeah, side and of it he, all. And he played fucked up really well. Exactly, mm-hmm. uh, dude. And apparently, he, the the story around this is that he fucking trained for this role. Like he learned how to play music. Oh yeah. He learned like how to change his voice and his posture and the way he like just conducted his physical self to appear. Like he he literally looks like oh. he has been drinking yeah you can heavily you can tell like that one of the things for the movie one of the big things everyone's talking about is like oh gaga and cooper went method for this one <laughs> and and i was just rolling my whole eyes the whole time i was like i don't think either of them can go method and they right. both nailed it gaga specifically i would like to see her get some awards because it wasn't just like a oh wow she's you know this isn't even her number one thing and she's good at it like she was as good as anyone like i wouldn't there's no one I would rather have seen do that. She did perfect. And you never think that, like, oh, this is just a pop star trying to act. Exactly. You're in it. She sells it every scene. Yeah, it's, it's, it could have been kind of a, a blank slate part where, like, you're just like, oh, well, she's a good singer, so it's fine that she's not acting that great. Yeah. But she, she did yeah, great. Yeah, no. I mean, it, that's what I – she brought up her ability to act while she sings. I think that that's one of the things that elevates her – her performance over Cooper's in my mind, and I think that she gives the best female performance I've seen this year. I mean, I do love Tony Collette in Hereditary, but no, I think this is just, better. Yeah, I think that this is over. Uh, she has more to do in this role, and she and they, she fucking nails it. They didn't dub the music; they no. recorded it live on set, and that's what we're hearing in the theater. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah, it is, and she. I mean, she's truly like a gifted singer. Yeah. Um, but I was just, I was just wondering if she could do more subdued because her whole thing is being huge and big in her music. Um, but, and then you think about it more because at first I was like, I mean, yeah, right. A label would pass on Lady Gaga. Like she's attractive, but music for music standards for like the business standards, this, she struggled with this. She literally struggled with having too big of a nose and having like not a perfect look. And that's why she adopted this massive, like, it's all about the Madonna outfits and all that. It was like a defense mechanism almost. And then once she got famous and poppy, what does she do? She releases an album of piano ballads with Tony Bennett. Which is yeah. what she always wanted to And do. that's literally her character in the thing is, like, yeah. she wants to be more of a loungy thing. And yeah. then she ha- goes big pop. It's, I don't know. Like, this movie felt special to me because because of all that. Like you said, that's, like, it was really interesting to see the when we know about these people in real life but also because it checks most of the boxes it has i have problems with it obviously it's not a perfect movie but what were the nominees for best picture last year were any of them like huge movies like this like you know what get I mean? out um yeah it's yeah, get out's probably the biggest dunkirk. dunkirk and that's well that's what i'm talking about like get out it's ladybird it struck with the populace and it was critically great and it was just a good movie this movie is like that um, in a lot of ways, but obviously I'm not going to compare it to Get I, Out. But. I think this this has a good chance of cleaning up at the Oscars. I mean, we'll see, you know, what First Man can do. Um, I don't know, maybe that that new Steve McQueen movie can get in there, but we'll we'll see. I mean, it's just it's a movie that delivered on 
big promises that I really I had a lot of doubts going in. That's why mm. I'm so impressed because I was thinking, how is this not going to be a cornball fest? Yeah. And by the end, I was like crying basically. Like, yeah, me too. S- All right, you guys want to get into spoilers now? Ratings? What would y'all give this? Uh, very strong eight. Pretty much a nine. Wow. Yeah. Like right. Yeah, I know right you're. I know you're strong a little, eight to light nine. I know you're a little lower, Hunter. I would just give it a nine. I watched it and I thought everything about it was there was nothing that was bad about it and everything about it was at least good. And most parts of it I thought were extremely well executed. Um, I'd give this like a strong seven and a half to a light eight. I still really, really enjoyed the movie a lot. Um, there's just, uh, I said, I'll get more into spoilers. Um, one thing that's very light spoiler before we actually get into spoilers is that, um, I talk about how a lot of themes are brought up, but then it never really says anything about it. One of them was uh, how it brings up this whole idea of women being managed by men without actually making like a statement for how like we shouldn't actually like tell women what to do and how they have to carry themselves and everything else like that. There was just little moments like that throughout. Um, but, again, I'll get more into the spoilers. Right. So you guys ready to go? Let's get into spoilers for A Star is Born. <clears throat> so, this week, I saw a movie where the lead male protagonist oh, is a no. country rock legend who reaches arena rock fame. He falls in love with a girl who also possesses musical talents. Despite his great musical ability, he struggles with constant bouts of alcoholism and drug abuse. This constant state of relapsing eventually drives a wedge between the two lovers to the point where they are unsure if, they're, uh, if they'll ever be able to move past it together. Also, someone punches a mirror. But enough about walk the line. Oh. <laughs> Boom goes the dynamite. Wow. I keep my eyes wide open all the time. I don't know if you guys got that vibe at all, but <laughs> the main line of the story is walk the line. Like you were watching walk the line, except just at the end, the like last act of walk the line. Yeah, makes sense. Um, so some of the themes that I wanted to talk about in this movie, and then we can kind of go through these one at a time and see which of these worked for you and which of these didn't. The Pop first one is bad. Okay. Well, let's talk about that. Yeah, Pop is bad for, like, three minutes of the movie, and then it just moves on. Pop isn't actually, like, you can't take it seriously yeah, for that songwriting. One, that one actually bothered me a lot, that they felt the need to include that, and then it never it didn't go anywhere. Yeah. But then the more I thought about it, it kind of just amuses me, because it was just that her SNL performance was so bad that he became an alcoholic again. <laughs> he started drinking, abusing alcohol yeah. again. And then he was like, you're ugly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What the fuck was up with that? that okay. I thought that was a great scene. One, one thing, it's not even spoiler. One thing I wanted to mention as special was the naturalism of the movie. That's something I thought they would have a hard time with for this. And it felt like real people talking to there each other. There were certain, certain lines that felt improvised. Yeah, like, yeah, like certain little well, bits here and there. And that's what I was talking about with how they went method. Like it that's how it was on the set. It was like, you know, that there was a whole story about how she had a little makeup on and he just wiped it off. He was like, "No, no." Oh yeah. <laughs> and I was like, "Gosh, fucking kill yeah, me." Yeah, I'm going to kill myself. And then it just it worked. Um but yeah, anyway, that is interesting that the pop is kind of vilified. La Land did it. Because the thing is that Lady Gaga in real life found a way to merge herself with her pop music. And then we got a song like Bad Romance, which 
I'm just going to lay this takedown. I think that's one of the top five pop songs of the century. Yeah, I think that's, yeah, that song is incredible. Like Just Dance was like her, that was her SNL performance song, where it's just the most basic song that it's not about her. It's not about anything in particular. Why did you do that? Yeah, it's like that. And then and then her next album, she went with like how she felt like she went with something. She merged it. And that would have been cool, I guess, maybe to see like at the very end, like Like her kind of instead of going back all the way to just like I'm going to do like piano work. Like if she would have had a song like Bad Romance where she can, quote unquote, find her voice while she's also doing this more grand style of music. But um, so first of all. Um, the first theme that's established in this movie with Jackson Maine is the fame dilemma of like the inability for celebrities to go anywhere without being like paparazzied or looked at as real human beings. Mm-hmm. That's only a thing until she becomes famous, and then it's just not she really never a thing anymore. That. Yeah, which I just thought that was kind of odd, especially as two people who are so famous for them to kind of make they made like a little bit of a statement in the first 15 minutes of the movie and then it just kind of goes yeah. away. Here's a, here's another small issue I had is how quick she was to punch that guy. Yeah. <laughs> she, <laughs> she did it like immediately. Yeah, no, there was no like there was very very little discussion just immediately punches the dude. Um, <laughs> she just wanted to punch someone. <laughs> since we're going through like the beginning of the movie, I love everything with the drag queens. Oh, everything in there so was so great. Good. Yeah, I I loved all of that. I really feel like that Having the those drag queens in the movie is sort of a testament to Lady Gaga's fan base. Yeah. Like, yeah. these are the people that have been there all along in her career and, like, yeah. really touting her. And they're, they're her, her monsters, basically. Yeah. Well, here's, here's what the ending should have been. Here's why they couldn't do it. Because this movie is historically a tragedy and it has to end on not a great note. But... I was expecting it to end with her having those drag queens as her dancers. Uh, that oh, and been like a awesome. triumphant, yeah, type touring of thing. and like doing songs that are like you know glam and like like you know what she became known for in real life. But this is not a movie that ends happily. No, it doesn't. This not. is a tragedy. Um, which then- is interesting because. I kind of forgot that that was like the way a star is born always ends. Yeah, and then it, a star when, dies. Yeah, when he's like very slowly putting the hat down on the table i'm just like oh right (laughs) yeah i will there was i mean i thought for the most part the directing was in my opinion it was like fine to good i was never really wowed with the direction that much there's a lot like a lot of medium close-ups in this movie like to the point where it was like almost kind of annoying to me which i know that's something that 95% 95% of audiences wouldn't even notice or care about. But for some reason, it just kind of, I was like, all right, let's have a little bit more like dynamic camera work it's, here. It's a movie made by an actor, though, and in, in which he yeah, is. Yeah, no, acting. I know, but I don't want to just like judge it. Like, for the same reason, you don't want to judge Gaga's performance just as like, oh, well, it's good acting for a singer. I want it to be. If it's going to be, which I think it's, he's going to be at least nominated for Best Director, I think we can't just like give him a pass of like, oh, it was good directing for an actor. Like, right. Is it actually I mean, good directing? I, yeah, I, I love uh, the directing. I thought that, I mean, the reason for the close-ups is because he very publicly wanted this to be a movie that removes all artifice between you and the characters, and it's a very intimate movie. It's a very, like, it, it's about acting. And I think, it, I think he succeeded in that. Yeah, I and, think if, the, and if you want your characters to be acting, you have to close up on them, kind of. Exactly, and I, I think the acting came off as very effortless because of that. I never, the the... Or did I say acting? I meant directing. The the directing came off as very yeah. effortless. Um, yeah. Because 
throughout the movie, there's never a scene that jumps off as like this is the big directing well, yeah, that's, Oscar. That's scene. the thing. That's why I agree with you that it's, it's it shouldn't be best directing. Yeah, because <laughs> no, not but like, I'm just saying. But that's like he's right now being looked at as the front runner. So that's why I'm trying to evaluate this for a little bit more critically. Of like, yeah, I just don't think that there's enough real dynamic camera work to warrant that respect. I think that the acting is incredible. The directing is kind of. It's kind of down the line. It's not. It was just. It's yeah. It's not what the movie's about. Like Chazelle's movies are about his directing. Yeah. Like they are about. It's all about what he's doing with that fucking camera. Yeah. Um, Chazelle and your E two Quaroni. Well, I think a lot of the the credit should be given to the cinematographer. Yeah. The 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 DP. His name is Matthew uh, Libatique, and. I think he deserves a lot of the credit of how well this this movie looks because you know if if Cooper is in the scene he's going to be in the scene as right. an actor. He's not going to be really you know behind the camera making sure that it yeah. looks great. This is a lot of it is due to this guy Libatique and funny enough he also shot Venom. Oh, that's <laughs> odd. Okay. Busy guy. Um, anyways, so um a couple of the other themes uh, this one worked, of course, really well. The alcoholism and the drug abuse scenes, I think that was, like, really the crux of this movie. Yeah, shouts out, to, shouts out to whoever did Cooper's makeup and just made him red all the time. Yeah. Because <laughs> it, it honestly, looked leathery. It like didn't it, even look like makeup, to be honest. Yeah, exactly. It, it looked was, like he was literally, it was ex- like, it red. Was, yeah, it was very well done. And he, I mean, the way he carried himself played a lot into it. Yeah. But the redness is something you... It's almost something you don't even notice, but you see it in drunks all the yeah, time. It's like this guy's about to fall they, over. Yeah, they're yeah. just always red. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, uh, the These two things kind of tie in a little bit together. I brought it up earlier, but the female struggle of constantly being managed by men, telling them how they need to present themselves, what kind of product they need to put out into the world. And also, um, the it's become like a trope at this point that record labels are bad. And the guys who do record labels, they're bad guys, man. That's yeah. why I mean they'll that's, ruin your life. That's why the British guy was the weak point. Yeah, yeah. like he, his we've whole character yeah. sucked. He's British, so um, he's evil. <laughs> his um, character, genuinely, I was just kind of just completely unimpressed with him. Yeah, um, I think his role made sense, but his character was boring. But like, I I read a review. I think it was I don't know. It was someone pretty big was saying it's it wasn't believable for Gaga to start following the word of this guy and I was like it totally is. She wanted to be a star so bad and this guy made her one. Mm-hmm. Like why wouldn't she do it? Especially what he says? with like we have those scenes of her dad talking about just like it doesn't matter how talented you are like yeah. I had the voice of Frank Sinatra but <laughs> I love that. Yeah, that, that guy was hilarious and all his buddies were just so funny. Yeah. yeah. When yeah. he's when he's telling Jackson but, that and all his buddies start cracking up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this movie had some good laughs in it. No, there there was some good laughs in it. Um I uh, talked about the lack of respect for pop songwriting. Um, sibling struggles. What did you guys really... I, I know, I of course, like Sam Elliott was incredible. Bradley Cooper was great. But their actual, like, their story together, I was kind of confused on all of that. So Sam Elliott was also a singer. Yeah. But he, then Bradley Cooper stole his voice. Stole my voice. He stole my voice. He, <laughs> I, I read that as playing into the theme of uh, the fickleness of stardom and how it just doesn't happen for some people who are great. And uh, you know what? Um, So there's the whole scene of... um him like where he punches Sam Elliott and they have a little bit of the breaking out because I, he sells the pecan farm and it was reminding me of, uh, of they came together. Yeah. The tire like, swing, the tire swing and you sold it for what? A couple of greenbacks. That's literally like all that I was thinking of in that scene. Cause no, it's so, too. it's so 
over the top and melodramatic well, okay. for really no reason because we just met Sam Elliott like ten minutes ago. Yeah. Okay. Here's here's my issue with that scene is. Did I zone out, or was it totally out of nowhere? That it he, was completely yeah. out of nowhere. <laughs> that he comes that's up and thing. punches him. He's like, you sold it for a wind farm! <laughs> yeah, and that's why I was Where's just Where's Dad's like, grave? <laughs> there was... It washed away in the rain. <laughs> that's like... It's so melodramatic out of nowhere, and I was like, wait, I thought we were just like having a nice little like Arizona tour date or something, and now it's... Things yeah. all broke well, up. I, but I did like the conflict between them because, I mean, like I said, I read most of that stuff as a thing of, like, stardom is really weird and it happens for some people who deserve it and some people deserve it and they never, ever get it. And that's why everyone wants to make movies about stardom because it's so strange and almost incomprehensible how it works. Yeah, I mean, I thought that their acting carried those scenes from them being just laugh out loud, um, laugh out loud bad but I just think like the writing itself for those characters and their backstory is not fleshed out in the slightest. Yeah. I think I it pays off. More. It pays off in the end when the like, SNL. No, no, no. Thing? The very end when Sam Elliott gets, drops off. Yes. Um, uh, Bradley Cooper um, Jackson uh, from rehab to his house. It's basically the last scene they get before uh, Jackson hangs himself. And it's like revealed that. <laughs> Jackson didn't steal um, his brother's voice because he wanted to like ruin his career. He idolized him. He was he was his yeah, kind was of like role him. model. Yeah, he wanted to be him because he admired him. So, you know, you get this like really tender moment between two very serious men who just don't really want to open up to each other and you get sam oh. elliott like turning around and you see yeah, his him teared up eyes that was awesome it was like damn great like scene. they're not even gonna they're not gonna open up to each other yeah. because that was like not the, that kind that, of people. that was a great scene um I will say, I don't know if you guys had this problem or if it was just me but it was certain parts when they're talking with each other and i could only understand like Three yeah. quarters of what they were saying. <laughs> I don't talk like this. And I was like, "Did I? Can I, I watch this with subtitles or I something? Like, I want to turn the subtitles on the theater that I'm in, just because I feel like I'm like missing a little yeah, bit of something." It's like, here. Dude, you're directing this movie. Like, <laughs> yeah. maybe you should like speak a little bit more clearly. But I, I think that was in line with the character. You know, he's just this guy who is really struggling to hold himself together. You know, it, it does. It wouldn't make sense for him to be completely articulate. If he can't even control his own drinking, um, if he's just like passing oh, yeah. out drunk every night, of course he's gonna like mumble his way around. I yeah, I mean I that was one of the biggest surprises. Like I figured it would at least be pretty well directed because Cooper is not just just like uh, Krasinski. He's not some guy that fell out of the sky and got into the movies. He went to a super prestigious acting school. Yeah, and like you don't just study acting in those schools. You learn everything about filmmaking. Mm -hmm. Um. So I figured it would be pretty well directed, but I didn't think he had uh, that performance in him. Honestly, I've it's because he's mostly done really standard shit. Obviously, well, you go from Ben and Wet Hot yeah. to a bunch of shitty rom coms, yeah. to The Hangover. The Hangover made him big, and then Lim Rocket Raccoon. Uh, yeah, and Limitless, which is I will stand by that being a good movie. That's a good movie, movie. Yeah. but yeah. it's it's you not, don't you don't remember him. Well, it's just it's not like a juicy part. Like he does right. a, he does a good job playing that part, but it's not like he has to really dig. deep. And American Sniper, we can't skip over that. Well, I think uh. that's the film that changed everything. Because when it changed he, cinema, yeah, that's a that's a bad it's a bad movie. But in terms of his career, yeah, yeah. I think that's doing that movie with Clint Eastwood. That's when he was like, okay, I can change 
how people see me. Yeah, it got people to take him seriously. Exactly. Yeah, because that movie was it was nominated for best picture. Yeah. He was nominated. So I mean, it's a I I would I just listened to a really great interview with Matt Damon where he was the, t- the Bill Simmons. Yeah, where, mm-hmm. when he's talking about how. Uh, him and Ben, you know, they kind of came up together. They got famous together with Goodwill Hunting, and then Ben became known for the big blockbusters. And Matt got, he got a uh, Saving Private Ryan, and all of a sudden he's like the good movie guy. But he's like, we both were just taking whatever we could get. Like it wasn't yeah. like Ben was like, I'm gonna be the big blockbuster guy. Like that's what Bradley Cooper did. He took what he could get, and everyone was like, oh well, he must be just a pretty good actor because he's in all these like all right movies. No. Sometimes actors are way better than anything that they do because actors don't have that much control over what they do unless they direct it. They need a better better agent or manager. <laughs> yeah, well, okay, so taking a step back, the very first A Star is Born from the 30s, that movie was literally about how you become a, a star in old Hollywood mm. because back in those days – you know, you would come out to Hollywood from middle America and they would change everything about you to make you yeah, an yeah. icon. They would change your name. They would change your biography. They would give you a whole new backstory yeah. and your appearance and everything. And the that movie basically showed how artificial all of that was. It was Hollywood being like, let us be transparent about how fake we are. Yeah. And... You know, now three remakes later, all of that is there. There's not really any of that in this movie, aside from like the slight image, uh, text, uh, you know, redo that they want to do on Ali. And I think that this movie works so much better in this 2018 version. I mean, I would like to go back and rewatch the other three versions if I ever could, but I think that this version is is the most realized version of this story because of the way it was created because of these, like I said earlier, like these two very specific celebrities and these two specific roles, they managed to insert just enough of, of themselves, of, of their own lives and careers into this film that it just comes off as this really grand and authentic story. Well, and also since we're in spoilers, uh, it's only become more and more fresh, sadly, the concept of uh, him killing himself. Right. We li- In the last couple of years, we have lost Scott Weiland of, Robin Stone- Williams. of Stone Temple Pilots. We've lost Chris Cornell, and we've lost Chester Bennington. Like, once your star runs out, it things get pretty tragic a lot of the time. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's kind of fresh on the brains of all of us. We all know at least know who those guys are a lot of us like their music and in in the other uh, stars born movies uh the main guy he kills himself because he's guilty that he is going to ruin his wife's career that her career is taking off yeah and that because you know he has this outburst at the award show and like he's has a drinking problem whatnot that he is going to cause her to change the course of her career for him and i think in this movie it's less about that guilt and more about his actual mental struggle with addiction and his disease yeah and it's not just addiction i really like the scene where he's talking to the guy about how he tried to kill himself when he was 13 yeah Mm. um and that's another this this movie did have a good amount to say about just kind of human nature and how some people depression yeah, yeah some people just have it in them that that is their fate um sadly and that really 
I don't know. It had a lot more depth than I thought it would, even though, like you said, there are some things that are a bit scattered thematically. Mm. I think the main theme of it, the main tragedy of stardom and just of like being alive hit pretty well. And, um, well, talking about him killing himself kind of leads me into one thing. Um, the dog in this movie is oh. like the most beautiful dog I've ever seen. I heard that he was like actually a bear. <laughs> yeah. I heard that was actually Bradley Cooper's dog. Is that? I, I just, so. I want to steal that dog. <laughs> the dog looks so, and then at the very end when the dog just lays outside the garage and you see like the bottom half of Bradley Cooper's hanging body. Jeez. It was so goddamn sad. I just want to know what's, I just want to make sure that dog's okay. It's fine. Well, he gets a, he gets a nice steak dinner as a good by present yeah. yeah well that was sweet at least yeah. but it was I, it was andy circus <laughs> <laughs> this andy will be in a dog suit yeah, not are, in a mocap suit yeah, yeah <laughs> you guys are fucking idiots <laughs> well leading from that to the final song i mean this is something that is straight from the 70s version with barbara streisand where she gives this wonderful send-off song at the end of the film um i you know, going back to the point that I had made earlier about the music only working in the context of the film, this is a perfect example of that because I think that song on its own is kind of fine. It's you know, it's yeah, it's not not even close Just to being the best song, love in the, song in the in this movie, but it fucking hit me because of the direction, because of the editing, because. You're really in her head. Yeah, when it cuts from the her moments. singing to Bradley Cooper oh, singing to her, I was piano. a mess. Yeah. I was a fucking mess. It the it, the movie hit emotionally for me. It, yeah, like I think that was the most important part of the movie in a movie that's so driven by emotions and acting. It hit like it totally landed. That's why I am overlooking a lot of the things that were like kind of bad. Me too. Me Be- too. Yeah, because in the moment watching the movie the intention of the movie was to hit me with the feels and it did. Yeah. And when I think about rewatching the movie, I'm looking forward to those musical sequences. I'm looking forward to the, the first time we meet Gaga in the club and she's singing that French song that, that one even got to me. Honestly, the best uh, case you can make for Bradley Cooper to win best director is all of the concert scenes. They're amazing. They're yeah. I don't, I mean, this movie had a pretty sizable budget, but, if any part of it was fake, then I don't know what part of it was. I don't was. think it was. <laughs> I know they, they shot at Coachella, and I think they shot at Glastonbury. Yeah, and they were obviously at SNL. Like SNL loves being in movies. Yeah. It's, it's free advertising. <laughs> Fucking Alec Baldwin. So is Alec too. Baldwin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He gets uh, one line. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, Ali. <laughs> he killed it. One, uh, one uh, theme about this movie that I did think worked really well was the struggle that comes from having two celebrities together. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, I think that this really hit that home and that constant sense of jealousy yeah. that one of them has. How of could like, it not be? Especially if you are somebody who is kind of already their star has flamed out and somebody else is rising in stardom and they're just craving this attention that the other one's getting that they used to have and now they're not getting that anymore. Um, I think that there's a really, despite what it ended up saying about pop music. Um, but that scene when they're like on the rooftop and they look out at her billboard out there and he's just like, people are only going to listen to you for so long. And so that's why you have to say what you want to say now while people are listening. And you just know, like she's not going to say what she needs to say. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's, let's get into this little bit about how this movie takes place in an alternate universe where Jackson, (laughs) Jackson Maine is somehow a bluegrass 
country rock singer who is ridiculously famous. Well, no, I don't think that's how it is, though. I think that he was famous for other shit. And now he's kind of fading. Well, yeah, and like like Darius Rucker sells out shows like that right now, and he's not even good (laughs) in any way. Hootie and the Blowfish wasn't even good. Yeah, but he's like people know who he is. He's Hootie, you know, and so they go to his shows, and he he could sell out a festival crowd. Like, I I believe that that makes sense, and it makes a lot more sense if you just kind of fill in the blanks in your head, and you're like, he must have been in a band in the 90s. Yeah. Without that, I don't buy it too. But much. I don't I mean, think but, that that is. I don't think that that's necessarily the case. Though I think that he they sell it as he is popular for like his own like bluegrass. It's like a mix between like fucking Dave Matthews Band, uh, Kings of Leon, and then like some more like Americana yeah, country cool. kind of style. Yeah, because it starts with him playing a, a rock song, like yeah. a, a roots rock song. I would call it. Yeah, um, the opening song. Yeah, and that's it's, a it's a great it's song. Good. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's a, that's a really good rock song. I was hoping yeah. we'd get more of that. And and Cooper helped write. I mean, he didn't single handedly write it, but he he definitely had a hand in it. And I. I honestly like I keep marveling at his work here because he sells it like you see this man as a fucking rock star. You you buy it. You know, he he absolutely owns. the. Yeah, part. I mean, the thing it's it's stupid. But the thing that impresses me the most about whenever an actor directs or does anyone does multiple jobs is the time management of it all. Yeah. Like for about for at least a year, every hour of every day had to be him working on this shit. Right. Like that's. That's impressive. It's really impressive, <laughs> for sure. Where do you guys think that their careers go from here? Because they're, Gaga, you know, Gaga, she's I don't know. Gaga's going for the Tony now. She's probably going to win the Oscar. She's going to sweep up that EGOT at yeah. this point. I, I mean, but I think it's more than that, you know, because it's not just about winning four awards and checking a list. Like, she wants to show people that she isn't just this pop star. You know, I think that she already did the pop star thing. She wanted to transition yeah. her she music already, career yeah, to she, something else. She already left pop. Yeah, um, exactly. Like she put out an album that was basically like this weird country pop rock hybrid type thing. And I think Mark Ronson and Kevin Parker had production on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been listening to it. It's it's pretty solid. I mean, yeah. it's not amazing, but I, I dig it. And you know, she has her diehard fans and now she's moving into movies. And I don't know. I, I feel like this is kind of that perfect role for her. I'm curious to see if she'll ever come close to doing something as good as That's, what she does well, here. Because, I mean, Cher tried to make a move into movies at a certain point in her career. And that didn't necessarily work out as yeah. well. Yeah, so I, honestly, I don't know. I don't know what she does. I think you might be right that this is so perfect of a casting that it's almost a curse. Yeah. Because it's it's the role that actors work for 20 years to get. And I don't see her doing <laughs> a, you know, meta musical part every, you know, couple no, of years. Of yeah. Like the same movie over and over. I mean, I could, yeah. de- I could definitely see. Like you said, Tony. And I don't think it's just to get the EGOT. She is a person who does musicals. Yeah. I could see her doing a lot of stage acting what about cooper coop i mean cooper's a director now just like krasinski it's just a matter of is he gonna pull a krasinski and then become jack ryan <laughs> you know what i mean is he is he gonna is he gonna I, now that he's made this leap is he going to go back to mainstream uh stuff that is not that great well i think that 
uh, Cooper is still going to. I like. I kind of think that it's kind of, him and Krasinski. I feel like are kind of similar to look at just because of the whole starting and acting, the moving to directing. But I feel like he will. He'll probably have a movie in which he acts in every year or two, but then like maybe once every five, six years, he'll do like a directing movie where he'll come back for it. Yeah, I mean, it's really a matter of choice because I mean the door's open now. Yeah, like more, more even more for him than for Krasinski. People were like, this guy, this guy can do what he wants. I mean, there's there's plenty of moments in this film where the directing choices and everything about the the music and the editing and all of that it. It is flawless. It all clicks perfectly. Like the sequence where uh, Gaga and her friend quit the job and go to the concert and it's intercutting between him starting the concert and the two of them being led through backstage and culminating in her standing there and then him bringing her out. All of that culminating in Shallow perfection. It's crazy. Absolute perfection. And even, even the earlier parts like them meeting each other and and having this like blossoming romance like it could have easily been something that totally falls apart because he's kind of creepy he's being a little creepy kind of drunk guy and but she kind of goes with it you know she's not she's fully aware of his drunkenness and she's fully aware of his celebrity yes and the implication of it all yeah it's not one of those things where it's like what you're famous i yeah, had no idea exactly. like it's very clear from the get-go that and it all it all works you yeah. know a lot of that shouldn't work a lot of that just that's, could easily fall I apart mean, yeah that's the main thing that i keep thinking about is how many scenes in this so easily could have sucked bad yeah. that's why i i like the directing maybe a little more than you do hunter just because of the nature of the movie could have sucked so hard <laughs> yeah i mean i'm not trying to say that like overall i just like i feel like i'm not like too far behind you guys like yeah yeah there's just some of the things the flaws weigh a little harder yeah on you. The, yeah exactly yeah, exactly it was just a little bit it felt um i didn't feel disconnected from the characters themselves because i can't say enough about the acting but it was more so the meta messages of the movie were just a little bit too constrained for me. Okay. It, it was trying to say, it was trying to make a little bit, a few too many points. Yeah. And I feel like you could have cut out maybe one or two of the arcs that I don't think worked. And I feel like it would have came together. In a co- exactly. More cohesive I think the, the structures of the movie is, is interesting because you have Allie's whole journey to stardom and you have uh, Jackson's, alcoholism and and demise and and death and all that but then not only do you have those two things but then you have their relationship Mm -hmm. and the chemistry that they share together that's that's a third thing that the movie has to balance and i don't think it balances everything flawlessly i feel like it more focuses on their individual stories and not so much like we get a lot of them in the beginning of the two of them in their relationship together, but you don't really see it just kind of immediate. It's almost like a flip of a coin where, or a flip of a switch, not a flip of a coin. Um, It like flips a switch between like, now she's famous. Now they have problems and there wasn't really a middle stage for like 20 minutes. I'm glad glad you brought that up before we wrap it up because one of my biggest, biggest complaints about the movie is back to that point that I made about the passage of time not being communicated well Mm -hmm. is when he proposes to her at Chappelle's house. I was like, wait a second. 
I have no idea how long they have been together. Right. Like, why is he is are is he seriously just proposing right now? But like, it didn't completely derail the movie because of Gaga's performance in the scene because she's kind of like, yeah, she's Wait. surprised too. She's like, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah. And like, okay, I guess I'll go with it. But this is crazy, you know, because it's he's, he's Jackson Maine. Just, you know? just, uh, yeah, replace a little bit of stuff with a little more Chappelle, and I think we got, <laughs> yeah, some, we got more. Something. Chappelle's only in like three minutes of this movie. He, he got real. Chappelle. He got real, bro. He slayed. Yeah, he's so good. Monologue. He's a great actor. Yeah. He always was. Oh my god, is there a chance that he'll get nominated for supporting? Nah, actor for no. One for, for, it would be Sam Neill. <laughs> Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott, not Sam Neill. Have I said that multiple times? You have said Sam Neill. Thanks for correcting me. Just going with it. No, I think, I think you just said it once. All right, well, yeah, Sam Elliott, I think, I don't know what his history is with nominations, but he could get, like, a legacy thing here. Even, yeah, though, even well, though it's not like he's the standout, he did do very well. Yeah. yeah. Like I said, I mean, he carried an otherwise uh, weaker uh, relationship between those two siblings. I think that he... Just the the acting between him and the yeah. acting with a capital A yeah. between him well, and Cooper. You know, I, the more I think about it, I feel like because that whole subplot kind of feels a little tacked on, it was almost like Bradley Cooper was like, I need to have Sam Elliott in this movie. <laughs> and I'm just going to come up with something that sort of works. <laughs> you just sold the tire swing. <laughs> <laughs> Watch they came together. I feel like we referenced that a lot I, for a movie that no one has I, seen. I can't think of it, but there was something else in this movie that made me think of they came together. I, but I can't think it's of a great it. Right now. There's definitely, I mean, there's definitely a few tropey things yeah. that are in this movie. So, uh, you know, <laughs> hey, they came together. It, I, it had to have some standard shit in it though, because it's it's selling like they it wouldn't be mass appeal if it wasn't yeah. a little bit troopy and and for a movie that doesn't have like huge uh theatrics or like action it has a big budget so they're they're selling like yeah. and again to kind of wrap up all my thoughts here i i really think that the biggest biggest takeaway is you know on top of the the acting and this and the music is the meta layer and the fact that we're we're seeing lady gaga in this moment of her career in this role. Like that's something so unique and special about this film that no, I I haven't really seen anything like that in in any other movie, you know? Yeah. And and I'll, yeah, to wrap my thoughts up, uh, a lot of people have been talking about like, you know, heavy, you know, heady film types. They, they talk about how the, the $50 million blockbuster is, is kind of going extinct. You have these huge, like hundreds of millions of Avenger movies. And then you have like little indie movies that are like acting and character driven. That's why I love this movie. It scratched the itch of it. You could tell it had the budget and it had the actors. It had a $36 million budget. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty modest. It's yeah, it's pretty modest, but it's in a zone that you don't really see that much of yeah. anymore. You, it, you usually get movies that are made for less than $10 million or $200 million. Yeah, yeah exactly. And it's already made back its money. In, exactly. In Double. The, yeah. Yeah. And it's opening weekend. Yeah. So it's a, you know, smash hit. It's only going to word of mouth is going to do a lot for this movie too, because uh, people, hey man, it's no venom. Is there, <laughs> is there like, a, has there ever been like a bigger lock for best original song than Shallow? Like, I want to look up the gambling odds and then put every dime that yeah. I have on that. List. Remember me last year from Coco? That was a pretty yeah. solid lock. No, but I mean, there was also there was This Is Me oh, last year. Fuck yeah! There's oh my god, no... that's why I lost the fucking bracket because I I didn't vote for Coco. Yeah, no, Damn like it, there has been no other original song this year. Like this is 
the guarantee lock of the century. Yeah. So that first, this will win. first man is not a musical. Um, well, I mean, I mean Neil Armstrong. A... Neil Armstrong just trying to save jazz. Yeah, driving in space. There is a tap dance sequence on the moon. Spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking about how funny it would be to go back and watch the super old ones because it, he he would discover a chick like tap dancing and be like, "Whoa, those feet! <laughs> those feet should be famous." <laughs> I'm gonna put you in singing in the rain. Girl. Yeah, yeah. She's just like on stage doing the Charleston, and he's like, "Holy shit!" Yep. And you know, that's that's the thing. Like, this is the fourth time that they have made this movie. Yeah. It's not the most original movie of the year by a long shot, but I, it just, I, yeah, it worked. I, I think the plot of it wasn't original. I think the vibe of the movie yeah, was very exactly. original. It had a the a, choices like like the donut scene and the nose. Yeah, thing yeah. Just the, it had a great layer of naturalism while still being a movie movie. Yeah, and that I, it struck. A, that's why it struck a good middle ground for me. It, it just had a good feeling to it. And it, it, it gave me a good feeling. Exactly. It. it is. Yeah. It is able to be somber and you know a kick in the in the gut and whatnot while still being this very like hopeful funny uh engrossing yeah. mainstream film yeah all right let's, let's wrap yeah up. let's let's wrap it up um we are at we bought a mic on twitter and we bought a mic at gmail.com if you would like to let us know your thoughts of uh rocket raccoon shredding the guitar on stage Shredding in quotations. Yeah, yeah. Um, he obviously didn't learn too much guitar. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, uh, what what else? Oh, you can you know subscribe on iTunes and whatnot, and leave us a five star review. A five star review is born. Um, I am on Twitter and Letterbox at Hunt Mobley. Um, I had to look up my list right now. I think that I have this around like. Probably put it around five or six in my top ten of the year. If you guys want a little sneak peek, a of star my is born. Yeah. Really? Oh shit! So you you're not even that low on it. No, I'm not that you're, low yeah, on it. You're putting. I just it up have there. I just have a few movies ahead of. I mean, it's no Mission Impossible Fallout, <laughs> oh, but oh, um, if you want a little sneak peek of my thoughts on First Man, which is above that, then yeah, we check saw out my that. Letterbox. Yeah, we saw that. yeah, yeah. That's right. We get screeners. We're famous now. We fucking made it. So <laughs> yeah. subscribe now before we have to like you have to pay for our podcast. Yeah, so. we're eventually we're just gonna go all Patreon. Yeah, um, all exclusives. Uh, yeah, I'm on Letterbox at uh, Drew D. I'm on Twitter at Drew uh, Dietzen. I'm on Spotify. I just started a new playlist that's gotten a great review from my girlfriend. <laughs> Dude, nice. <laughs> if you like that sound drop of Return of the Mac, it's a lot of that type of stuff. So Ooh, sick. hit me up. Uh, you know, send me a, uh, a twit. Um, I'm on Twitch. Mostly just watching. Are you going to stream Fortnite now? No. <laughs> That would be embarrassing. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't play for a couple months, and now I suck. Maybe you'll get better knowing that like a couple people are watching, or the hundreds and hundreds that listen to us. Yeah, a star. Yeah. A star is born. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's the stars born in twenty thirty. Is oh my god, a, video, a Twitch streamer. Yeah, it's like Ninja takes a kid under his wing. Yeah, and he's like, you can be real good. I can't see good no more. All right, and I am at Caldernist on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxed. Um. You can follow me on there, and maybe it's time to let the old ways die. Yeah. Um, before we go, quick shout out to friend of the pod, Adam. I really doubted you when you had this as your number one of the year. I, it's not, worthy. It's not my number one, but it's up there, and I really doubted it, and I should have believed you. You're yeah. right. You were right. Shout out to Tinnitus. <laughs> I'm losing my hearing every single day. I yeah. just hear a tone. Yeah, I, I feel for you, uh, Mr. Coops. I feel for you. 
All right. Well, we will be back next week with um, Venom and First Man. Also, I'm going to talk a little bit Super Mario Party next okay. week, so do, look forward to do that. Do we have to watch Venom? <laughs> yeah. No. Okay. Well, see you next week. Kissy go sometimes. Kissy go sometimes. Kissy go sometimes. Spirit, spirit.